And we are back with another episode of Loathsome Things that I can't say. It's always uh, so easy to say. (laughs) Loathsome Things. Uh, My name's John, and uh, with me is my co-host, Josh. Josh, what's happening? How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for introducing us, John. Um, uh, We're going to talk about this movie that we watched called The Empty Man, or possibly, if you're a certain part of this movie, The M.T. Man. Yeah, M.T. Man. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a relatively new movie. I didn't write down the name of the director, but... Uh, His name is David Pryor. David Pryor, that's right. And this is his first film. He's been a producer on everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But other than that, it looks like what he has directed is uh, DVD special features of other movies. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well, he learned learned his craft pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And he definitely, over the course of watching this movie, you'll learn he loves horror movies. Um, Yeah. I think he also loves Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some definite nods. Some of them obvious, uh, like intentionally obvious. Yeah. What a nod. <laughs> yeah. Nice nod. <laughs> hey man, nice nod. Why do you got to be such a nod, dude? <laughs> the uh, the movie is based on a graphic novel uh, by the same title uh, by a couple of people, uh, Cullen, Cullen Bunn and Vanessa Ardell Ray. Uh, so. Obviously, real people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Nobody could make up the name Cullen Bunn. <laughs> I liked uh, him. I thought of, season two of uh, Jackass was good once he got on there. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> he does hilarious things with his wiener. <laughs> um, the music was uh, done by, I assume, the, the Christopher Young, who I assume is a composer, and then also a group, uh, a band called Lustmord, which does some really cool um kind of atmospheric stuff. I mean, perfect for this kind of a format and they're definitely worth checking out as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that uh, their name pop up in the credits and I was like, Ooh, I want to go listen to these 12 minute long tracks. Yes. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Lust Mord is a great, yeah, they're a great band. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, and this yeah, was a this pretty great a, movie. It was, I, yeah. uh, I had seen the trailer and apparently like a lot of people, uh, just immediately dismissed it as a uh, Slender Man type creepy pasta flavored story, um, which is something that I would probably watch if it popped up on a streaming service, but I wouldn't seek it out. Yep. And so I, I, I promptly forgot about it. And um, oh, and by the way, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. And so oh, all the if way. you, uh, yeah, that's, that's our, that's how we do. So uh, if you have an issue with that, Stop now. Go watch the movie. And uh, so, Josh, what happens in this movie? Uh, Everybody is already dead. (laughs) Yeah. Also, a major part of this movie is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's definitely going to set off some specific people's ASMR. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's like no way smr yeah if you like the way teeth sound this is your movie it's uh it's it turns out that it it is kind of a a creepy pasta ish type tale but essentially it it's 
kind of ends up being more of a almost like a philosophical, uh, y- y- you know, kind of a at times <clears throat> a mockery of kind of the new agey spiritualism, mm-hmm. and at other times it you know you can't tell if it's taking itself really seriously or if it's just a gigantic in joke. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really weird because the the tone is a little all over the place. Um and I think that's part of it is part of it is because this director likes uh horror movies so much. Mm-hmm. There there there's all these nods to all of these different things. And I think like, you know, the the main character has uh at least one <laughs> one spot where he <laughs> like does a, a dumb like ash from uh evil dead like uh yeah. one line thing which <laughs> is amazing it's awesome it totally like breaks the scene but it's awesome and i appreciate it it's just it so was so weird yeah the scene is so strange and then his reaction is the last thing you expect it, it kind of it makes it i don't know it actually added to the scene for me i thought it was it was a really funny line yeah um, yeah and the actor i actually i liked the actor i i liked when he at, at a certain point in the movie where he goes somewhere and we'll talk about that, but he, he keeps saying anytime something's too weird for him, he says, yeah, I'm from San Francisco. So <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I grew up in San Francisco, yeah, which no one is impressed by. <laughs> well, they are in the middle of fuck everything, Missouri, whenever that's going on. So I'm Huff assuming my nards, Missouri. Yeah. I'm assuming that he thinks it's impressive. Like, you know, I didn't always live in my toe is in my ass, Missouri. But, yeah. you know. Once once upon a time, I lived in San Francisco. Like this exotic wonderland. Yeah, where where everyone has things. Where no bums are shooting up on the sidewalk. <laughs> it's too hard. They're sidewalks. They go up and down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So I guess we should talk about this movie in some sort of order. Uh, it starts yeah. in the Ura Valley in Bhutan in 1995. 1995. Yeah. yeah, It's beautiful. Uh, those actors are obviously really there, and that's great. Yeah. Um, and there, there's four young people. It looks like probably two couples uh, hiking around in Bhutan. And there's even a, like truck full of buddhist monks that drives by like you would normally see a the back of a truck full of soldiers in a mm-hmm. movie but replace those soldiers with buddhist monks who look probably even more menacing than a truck full of soldiers oh yeah they look like they are about to like contemplate your ass <laughs> like you're gonna you're gonna get your ass kicked by a bunch of dudes in robes yeah um, they, they walk past some sort of, I mean, we don't really see the temple. We just see the prayer wheels. So they walk mm-hmm. by prayer w- wheels and play with them like a bunch of assholes. Um, and then they come to what I like to call the, uh, Godzilla catcher, which is a giant bridge made out of like baby sized chains, like just enormous infant, like just huge, awesome kick-ass chains. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really, it, it was, it was, I mean, they, they make jokes about it not being stable and stuff, but it actually looked really stable. Yeah. It looked like it, you know, for, for a bridge that is hung between two, you know, one cliff and another, and you, you yeah. know, walk over it, it looks like the most stable one of those bridges that could ever exist. <laughs> yeah. It had like a, it had footsteps, but it also had kind of like a chicken wire 
fencing that kind of supported the bottom and even the sides were supported and it had like prayer flags and bells all over it. So when they cross, they're all jingling and stuff, which I thought was a cool effect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a real bridge. I think that's like a famous bridge that's like near a famous uh, monastery. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, Or it could be CGI. Who knows? That's true. Yeah. Uh, And I wrote down that these actors are store brand Aaron Paul from uh, Breaking Bad and also. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like Walmart Aaron Paul. (laughs) Yeah. And then what I assume is Onslow Hemsworth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Once they ran out of the good names. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And also two girls. uh, Yeah, and two girls. One. Ruth and what was the other? Uh, Ruthie and the Fiona. badass. Oh yeah, Fiona. Yeah, Fiona. And then Paul and Greg. So these these guys they cross the bridge. They they kind of get to a point where they stop, and it's like this beautiful scenic overlook. It, it was really gorgeous. And the, by the way, the sound design in this movie is phenomenal. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually based on uh, your your uh, take last week. Um, I. Uh, I watched this on my computer with headphones and I was like, oh, this was a good choice. Yeah, I may do that actually later because I I, I usually don't watch movies again unless it's, you know, something stupid like Anchorman, which mm-hmm. just rewards repeat viewings. But I there's something about horror films that that um, horror films might be the exception. But in general, I don't like to watch movies twice. But uh, I think because of this podcast, it's kind of changed my feeling about it because I'm looking, I've always been pretty scrutinizing when it comes to watching movies. I, you know, I, I, I notice after seeing so many of them, I, I, I tend to like watch for cinematography and stuff like that without even really meaning to, like you just kind of, Oh, that was, I've seen that, that trick before, or that's a cool camera effect, or I like the way they, you know, you, you really kind of notice that stuff after a while. Um, and you know, but anyways, with this movie, the sound design is fantastic. And and like if you contrast it to say, oh, don't look now just to pick something out of my ass um, in which I, I mean, the, the sound design is kind of fantastic, but in a totally different way. It's uh, in don't look now. It's very goofy and f- forced and just very imposed. Yeah. Um, the timing's off. The, the sounds are very unnatural. Uh, same with like basket case when the murder sled is being built in the basement <laughs> and suddenly there's a construction crew in the house that no one let in. Someone's using a saw. <laughs> and a jackhammer <laughs> to build a murder sled. Yeah. Uh, so yes, the, the, the sounds in this are, um, you know, some of the sounds are meant to be almost kind of expressionistic, like the, the representation of something you'd hear in your mind. Others are, you know, just weird, like creepy digital sounds, almost like part of the soundtrack just to kind of lay a mood mm-hmm. and uh, the way the music and the, the effects and the, the sound of space, you know, the kind of the, the sound of silence, like the hissing of wind or whatever, the, all that was handled really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I think this director probably did watch don't look now. Like I, yeah. I had like a running list of movies where uh, I was like, Oh, okay. This is an influence. This is a reference. Uh, and like, mm-hmm. this feels like uh, it's very strange that we watched it right after don't look now, because most of it is a guy 
kind of going crazy while he's walking around some city and maybe some (laughs) nonsense psychic stuff is going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. So they're at the scenic overlook and the, the, the lead, uh, uh, Oh God, what's this? Jason Paul. Is that his name? Uh, no, 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 no. Which one? Onslow Hemsworth? <laughs> no, no, the uh, the one who looks like the guy from Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, his name is Paul. Paul, yeah, the character's name is Paul. That's right. So Paul, Paul, they're all kind of standing there, and then Paul is hearing something that apparently the others don't hear. Almost kind of like a like a high kind of throaty note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, like it a, completely entranced him. Yeah, it's like that um, metal rubbing, like uh, like you'd hear on a old windmill. Yeah, and. He's he's obviously drawn to this sound. The others don't really hear it, so they don't really notice. And he he there's a shot where he walks forward a little bit, and the camera's behind him, and there's just this huge mountainscape in front. It's a gorgeous shot. And he's standing there, and he he's kind of like, "What is that?" He he has two lines right there. Mm. Uh, Both of them have three words. (laughs) And then he he walks forward, and all of a sudden he just drops out of view. There. He's, there's obviously some sort of crevice or something that he's fallen into. Yep. And so, of course, they freak out and, yep. you know, go to find him. Yeah. And uh, badass girlfriend jumps immediately into action. No one had to say anything, and she is, like, already tying a rope around rocks. Yeah, it was cool to, to see that they actually had some gear with them that they weren't, you know. I mean, I, I it probably hiking in jeans wasn't the smartest move, but <laughs> they actually did seem to have some gear with them, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, they're like they uh, they jumped into action. His his girlfriend is like, ah, oh my god. Uh, the other girlfriend is just like tying stuff off so that the guy can rappel down, like action squad style. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go get him. Yeah, don't worry, babe. You gotta stay up here. <laughs> um, and so he rappels down, and it turns out that the guy that fell down a hole isn't just at the bottom of the hole. Uh, so he has to like climb around inside this weird little cavern area and he finds, uh, his friend Paul is in like a meditation pose in front of the significantly, uh, uh, awesome sculpt, uh, skeleton thing. Yeah. It's kind of sitting in a sort of a Lotus position as well, but it has multiple, like the, the hands are clasped over something, but the, there's like you know, I don't know, like 10 fingers on each hand or whatever. Yeah, really cool knuckle business going on there. <laughs> so knuckly. All kinds of weird, like just bizarre bony appendages coming out in, in places where there shouldn't be on a on a humanoid skeleton. And yep. Yeah. Very, very, very creepy looking. Yeah. Right out of uh, the pilot scene in the first Alien movie. Uh, yeah. It's it, I was like, oh, yeah, I got some Ridley Scott in there. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, Greg is, you know, dude. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> she okay, bro? <laughs> I borrow your one hitter. <laughs> Bhutan, am I right? By the way, they, they don't talk like that. By no, the way. no, no. They, they actually talk like normal people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which was kind of refreshing. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was refreshing because like this happens, we're about six minutes into the movie when this happens. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, in case you didn't know, this is a horror movie. Here you go. It's only at the six minute mark. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. There's more than two hours left to go. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> But yes, is, is there ever? <laughs> so he uh, he's like, hey, hey, are you OK? What's going on? And he does like weird little like ventriloquism style, trying not to move his lips, saying, if you touch me, you will die. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that was pretty that's great. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> he says that twice, which yeah. gives him four lines. Yep. <laughs> and he doesn't speak again, I believe, through. No, he says something. Uh, later in, in, he has one more or two more lines and then that's all the guy says for the entire movie. But yeah. yeah. So he says that, yeah, if you touch me, uh, you'll, you'll die. And of course the friend is, yeah, he starts checking him for like landmines and trip wires, which is pretty (laughs) cool. I was like, all right, proficient. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, maybe, maybe he's trying to warn me that, you know, there's a bomb. (laughs) Yeah. So spoiler alert, he touches him. Yeah. But he does a lot of good hesitation stuff, like multiple scenes where he like puts his hand up to touch him and is like, but no, I couldn't. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Why would he even say something like that? Why am I? Why am I even hesitating? It was kind of that kind of feel to it. And so, of course, he he gives in, you know, because I'm I'm sure he's like, well, there's no way we're getting this dude out of here because he's not moving. Yeah. So Uh, he grabs his buddy. And of course, as soon as he touches him, the guy's like. <laughs> like this weird moany, you know, like the subtitle said whale, but he was or sob or something, but he wasn't sobbing. He was just kind of moaning, yeah. wailing. Yeah, he was having a sad, full blown sad. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I guess I, I guess the implication was that there was still some part of him inside there somewhere. Like if he I, I, well, I think because the idea is uh 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 the theme of the movie of it being a bridge. I think yeah. if he had just left him there, maybe things would have been okay. Yeah. Uh, oh I don't yeah, know. for sure. Yeah. But I well, think like yeah. Paul, Paul seems to have enough sl- a snap that, you know, he's warning his friend um, mm-hmm. because whatever's, whatever is happening is obviously, you know, wouldn't want to warn somebody away. It would want them to touch. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, you know, cause, cause that, that's pretty much out the window later. Any of that, you know, like kind of like when a mo- in, in a movie where someone's possessed and every once in a while, their personality will fight through and, you know, kill me. Yeah. And it was not, yeah, it was a little bit of that, but, but I that, don't know all how much longer I can window. hold it off. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Greg picks him up and, you know, kind of struggles him over to the, to the opening. They, they get him out. Um, and then they're he's carrying Greg, and he, you know this is obviously not an easy thing to do. And they they come across dun, dun, a cabin. Yeah, there's a house which uh, which uh, Ruthie opens the front door to like an asshole. Just <laughs> strolls right in. She she opens the door and then like falls inside. <laughs> It's very strange, but I guess it is because, you know, part of it's probably because of the giant storm that they're in and that. That's going. right. Cause they had, they had mentioned earlier and we need to try to find shelter cause there's a big storm coming. Yeah. Yeah. A nor'eastern. Uh, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna comment on that. Why is it always a fucking nor'easter? Yeah. The other ones don't play well in movies. No one wants a Southwestern. 
Yeah, we got a sou'wester coming, guys. <laughs> well, it's I, always a nor'easter. That's a total double black diamond storm? I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. The point is we need to find a shelter. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like, uh, yeah, so they, they get there. Uh, they say get his clothes off and check him for insect bites, which we did mm-hmm. see a bunch of gross bugs crawling around that seemed to not be bothering him when he was down in that cave. Yeah. Um, and ultra proficient girlfriend just gets into like doing the stuff immediately. She like grabs a pot, goes outside, finds a river and gets fresh water for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's, all right. She's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's too bad, really. <laughs> uh, they determined that he's not physically hurt. He's kind of just an asshole. Um, yeah. Uh, they find a cool bone flute, which looks like a dog chew toy. Um, and, in, uh, in his hand, right? Yeah, in He's his like hand. clutching it real tightly, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, Ruthie, um, later on, like after they've determined that he, you know, there's nothing physically wrong with him that he's just in shock or whatever. Then in the middle of the night, Ruthie does the the thing that you do whenever someone has a creepy old bone flute uh, and they don't seem to be themselves, you play it, you blow into yeah. it. Yeah. You play a little bone flute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just in her bedroom playing the old bone flute, huffing some bone flute. <laughs> Uh, there's a really good cinematography scene where it's like that, uh, dipping into sleep and waking up and not realizing how much time has passed. Uh, Mm -hmm. it makes like the candles flutter and it goes from sounding like there's a storm outside to there is no sound except for the creepy wood, creaky footsteps in the house somewhere beyond the door. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. She gets up. I think she gets up to investigate. Yep. Yeah. She, she walks around. She like, you know, snoops on the other couple to see if they've been walking around. Of course they're in bed. There's nothing in there. So she goes back. Um, uh, and that's the end. And then we see, uh, did we already see, did they say day one already? It's yes, this is day one. It says day one, right at the, you know, like right after they cross the bridge. Okay. Okay, yeah. And then after the creepy house sounds, uh, it shows outside and it looks, it's all snowy and it says day two. Yeah. 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 So the storm has has come in. It's nasty. Uh, It's in the morning and uh, Greg and Fiona decide that they're going to go for help uh, because he, as he says, you know, I can't carry this dude all the way down there. There's no way. So why don't you stay here? At least you're safe, you know, and, you know, we'll go try and get some help. And so they leave, they leave Ruth, uh, Ruthie with Paul. And, um, so as, so she's in the house and, or no, she, I think she comes outside and sees like, it's real snowy and kind of hazy and kind of hard to see. And off in the distance, she, she notices there's a figure. Yep. Some sort of creepy ass shape. Yeah. Just kind of standing there, you know, probably facing her and she's, you know, yelling like, hey, you know, can you, I need some help? You know, can you come, can you help me or whatever? And then this thing, you know, turns and <laughs> starts running towards her really fast. You can hear the footsteps. Yeah. And it's, it's getting closer very quickly. 
and she you know flips the fuck out as anybody would and turns yeah. to run into the house <laughs> and uh like as she's closing the door the thing is is really getting close and you, it's starting making it's making like this weird kind of vocalization and you see kind of the silhouette its hand comes up and it ha- looks like it has like a knife in its hand yep and she closes the door right away locks it and the thing's pounding on the door and then suddenly the voices on the other side of the door are Greg and Fiona yep Yep, it's real good. And I, I put the note that it looks like a ring wraith if a ring wraith had dreadlocks. It's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It looks like all weird and shaggy and, and uh, you know, at the time you think, oh, it's probably some sort of like crazy ghost or monster. But I'm thinking later because of what happens later on in the movie, it's just a person. It's like a Bhutanian. Bhutan- it might be or it it might be a, just a, a visual manifestation. Oh, that's true. Which would explain why, you know, she she doesn't she doesn't even see Greg and Fiona coming. She, you know, when she slams the door, they're immediately on the other side of the door. So yeah. they, and they obviously didn't see anything. Yeah. That's true. Um, and and that would kind of go in with the kind of the theme of the movie that it's where they talk about piercing the veil and that sometimes you get the attention of other things. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, they so they come back in. They're like, yeah, no, we can't do it. This nor'eastern is too much. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, so they're just like they hunker down. And also, that scene was weird when they decided to leave. They like lured Ruthie into the room with soup, and then the instant she sat down to eat soup, they both got up and they're like, "Well, we're leaving." <laughs> <laughs> Here, have soup. <laughs> and we're out and peace. Um, yeah. And so that's really it. Like day two, other than that, uh, one really good creep scene is pretty uneventful, except uh, after they go to bed, we see Paul like hovering over Ruthie and doing the right into her ear ball. Yeah, that was pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And then a cold cut, like a, just a sharp cut to the morning, and he's, you know, she's laying in bed, and he's gone. Yeah, day three. <laughs> dun, dun. So they're looking for the dude. Yep. Yeah, they uh, they open the front door, and you can see his footsteps leading away from the, uh, from the cabin. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I guess we'll follow these. And uh, they find him at uh, the heart, like, heavy metal bridge. And he's mm-hmm. uh, sitting there just... Blowing on the old bone flute, <laughs> blowing on the bone flute in full lotus position. Yep, yeah, just uh, yep. <laughs> no way to say it. He's playing his bone flute. That's right. And they're kind of like Paul. Hey, what's going on, dude? You know. And Greg starts getting frustrated. <laughs> he gets sick real mad. Shit. <laughs> Go get sick of shit, bro. Oh, I'm Paul. I think I'm so special all the time. <laughs> Why don't you fucking get up? Yeah. And Fiona's like, this isn't helping. I'm an awesome, badass girlfriend. What are you doing? This is dumb. Don't do this. Be calm. Paul, it's going to be okay. And then uh, does Paul speak first or after what happens? I think after. God, I don't know. Uh Yeah, I think it's after because she, Ruth, suddenly pulls a knife. And as Greg is trying to kind of rouse Paul she she 
very quickly walks up behind him and just starts stabbing Greg in the back with the knife. Yeah, she gets real stabby about it. Yeah, it was pretty pretty intense scene. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's of course he's howling in pain and kind of backing away from her and then he he gets kind of towards the edge of the cliff and she just pushes him right off. Yeah, shoves him right off the cliff all the way down into the mountain. Yeah, um, that was intense. And then, you know, like you do, uh, you also have to kill the super badass girlfriend and she gets uh, slashed right in the neck all uh, don't look now style. Yeah, slashes her throat and then she pushes her over the edge, which and as a nice touch, she doesn't scream on the way down. Yeah, too badass. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's like, oh, because you probably wouldn't scream if your throat was cut. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, <laughs> solid she, I, horror movie stuff. Yeah, that was good stuff. And then and then she looks over at Paul and he's looking at her, you know, and she, she's obviously, you know, being controlled by something in a way, in a sense or being motivated by him or whatever. And uh, I think at that point he says, I told you not to touch me or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember that. I forget what it is he says. It's it's something like I told you not to touch me. And he's got a tear, a single tear going down his cheek. Um. Like the, you know, don't pollute Indian from the commercials in the 70s. <laughs> and uh, and then she she just kind of turns her back to the edge of the cliff and does the slow fall into the void. Yep. Yeah. Trust falls. Yeah. Like, yeah. Keep, trust keep, fall. In, <laughs> keep your legs straight. <laughs> scared straight camp. Trust fall yep. right into the void. Yep. And it fades to black and we get the title credit. Yeah. The M.T. Man, yeah, the P is gone because it's empty. You see, <laughs> ish. It didn't really make sense, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> it was a stylistic choice. I really yeah. feel like what happened with this movie is the the director was told, "All right, here's the deal. We're going to name the movie, and we're going to do all of the advertising and branding, and you get to direct the movie, and we won't edit your movie." So he's like, "All right, it's- cool." It's Fair like, enough. It's yeah. going to be 12 hours long. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be called something dumb that the director didn't want it to be called. And that's how they'll make the trailers, too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's the title of the graphic novel. Oh, it is? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Fine. And, I mean, it does It does fit in with the theme of the, the story. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we cut now. It's after the title. It's just a title credit. Of course, we don't. They don't roll all the credits. <laughs> yeah. Gaffer. <laughs> and uh, earlier, earlier, like in this sequence, I was starting to wonder, I was like, how are they going to make this movie last two hours? And uh, then this is where it explains it. Uh, it turns out that the way that they're going to make this movie last over two hours is cutting to Webster Mills, Missouri in 2018. Where the movie starts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Half an hour after the movie starts. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, okay, Webster Mills, Missouri, that real yeah. place. 2018 in Webster Mills, Missouri. Mm-hmm. We all know that place. Yep. <laughs> There's a probably a brand of crackers that come from there. <laughs> At Webster Mills. <laughs> <laughs> Webster Mills remembers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we've been milling for over 30 centuries. Yep. <laughs> And so, of course, you know, this this uh, this card shows up saying it's Webster Mills, Missouri 2018. And you can immediately think back to the fact that it was day one, day two, day three. So 
you're starting the actual movie under the assumption that uh, day three means it's time to get stabby. Yeah. 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 And uh, so we, we see a dude yep. jogging over a bridge. Yeah. But this is an urban bridge in a, in a city environment with you can hear a bunch of traffic underneath. And uh, and then it cuts to, you know, an overhead shot of him jogging through a kind of like a suburban, you know, a, a pretty affluent suburban neighborhood. And uh, you can hear this whispering voiceover. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? <laughs> you ass fuck. <laughs> I hate your guts. <laughs> you just shit yourself. You look like a total jerk when you run. Your nose is huge <laughs> from a side shot. It's really the worst whispering ever. It's just—it's a really strange such a, choice. Such an asshole whisper. <laughs> oh my! I'll bet you're from San Francisco. Fart noise. And I, it's and it makes you wonder how that's going to tie in later. Mm-hmm. It really does make you wonder. <laughs> um, so then it cuts to <laughs> the guy works in what a key store? Yeah, it's like a locksmith slash personal defense slash gross office room store. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of like the doctor's office in Basket Case. It was. He had the rubber stamps. He had the Rolodex. He had the gross filing cabinet. And then just like a weird stack of old broken radio equipment in the back. Yeah, he's kind of a security dude, which I guess actually makes sense for his character. Yeah, yeah. And he uh, quickly uh, mansplains pepper spray to some lady who's like, (laughs) I I want this one. It says it has the most sprays in it. Because that's what you want. You don't want to have to go back and buy another pepper spray. (laughs) Honey, I'm going to need you to sit down. (laughs) Let me me explain spray quantities to you. Actually. (laughs) Be careful. Don't handle it too much. You might get a blister. And also, so, uh, that never happens. Yeah, no, no, that doesn't yeah, happen. We're, we're just idiots. Yeah, he uh, he helps her find some pepper spray. That's when we see his gross office. And then he leaves. He uh, picks up uh, an old gross coupon for a free birthday meal off of mm-hmm. his uh, uh, like poster board. And uh, then he goes to some kind of uh, Mexican restaurant. And he's yeah. got a Webster Mills, shots. Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Authentic Mexican. Tex-Mex. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, like an Applebee's type place, but it's Tex-Mex. Yeah. Yep. That is, that is on the nose. And he has like two shots of tequila and a beer and is just having himself a sad little birthday time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, he like, gets the waitress over and he is like, here, check and make sure that this isn't expired and gives her a tip as well. And uh, uh, then there's this little girl looking at him. And then because it's a free birthday meal, uh, all of the staff comes by doing the most horrible restaurant thing, which is they sing happy birthday to him. And he gets that a piece was of flan. <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah, he gets a birthday flan. And if you notice, they say happy birthday, dear Christopher. No, they say customer. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, because he's just some oh. random ass customer. But right, that would be cool. Customer. <laughs> yeah, see, I, yeah, I th- that's 
that was stuck in my head throughout the movie because then when you, you hear his name is James and then I was like, uh-huh. But it wasn't that. It was customer because I'm an idiot. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't understand anything from this point forward. I've created an entire theory of this movie based on him being a secret Christopher. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Where does it go from there? Well, he goes, and then it just shows him going. He goes home. Oh yeah, and he's right. in the house, and he notices somebody is <clears throat> in his backyard because that's where you go when you go to visit people. You scare them in their backyard. Yeah, I, I wrote down. Uh, he he goes and has a visit with the world's most normal looking girl. Yeah, with with the most nineteen seventy four haircut I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like a it's that weird helmet, like Nazi helmet style that kind of curls in all the way around. It has that straight line all the way around your head, basically. Yeah, like a, if a, if a bowl cut got fancy. Yeah, it's like a little Lord Fauntleroy haircut. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. And thereby, uh, they they sit down on a bench uh, facing the world's most disgusting swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just has been using it as a toilet. Yeah, it's just a micro swamp. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's real bad. <laughs> yeah, James is James is a little down in his life. Yeah, he's been having a depression. Yeah. And so she shows up and she starts talking to him. She wants to check on him. It's been a year. She's worried about him. He obviously has some sort of connection to her mom. Mm-hmm. Uh and then she she mentions something that, uh, you know, I, uh, Allison and I forget, you know, what the little tooth clicking fucker's name is, but, um, <laughs> Henry, 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 that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm sorry. Is it okay to bring that up? You know, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. No, it's cool. So yeah, obviously his, his wife and kid, you know, the, he lost them at some point and that's why he's all bummed out. But so she kind of dances around that, but she's, she's just really kind of checking up on him. And there's, you know, it, they don't, what's cool is they don't, they don't lay out what the connection is, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. like, why does he, why does he know her? Why does he know her mom? Why would she even, you know, she's kind of checking up on him because she knows her mom won't do it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. Cause like they, she talks about Allison and Henry, but we don't really know who they are yet. So it, it, yeah. it's still like a question like <clears throat> if, uh, you know, like what any of that relationship is, it feels like she could be his daughter, but it's just not mm-hmm. like coming out. It's weird. Yeah. What I thought was, um, you know, that, that Allison and Henry had, you know, died somehow, obviously that was like his, his wife and his kid. And then my assumption was that he later on had had an, a, a relationship with this girl's mom and that she was his daughter. That's what I thought at first. Yeah. Yeah. It had, um, yeah. Yeah, but you find out quickly that she's not his daughter. And then you find out later, you know, the relationship that he has with this other lady and all that. Yeah, which it's so healthy. Yeah, it's 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 definitely healthy and doesn't in any way have anything to do with anything else in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, and so this this teenage girl with the haircut of a uh, much older woman has yes. uh starts talking about stuff like she feels like she's bursting into a million pieces and uh something about uh 
nothing is real. And she starts talking about the power of positive thinking, which makes him have really expressive huh face. And, um, uh, she talks about what if our secret truth. Yeah. Secret truth. Um, and she talks about, uh, what if our thoughts start somewhere else and are just traveling through us? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like typical, you know, okay, this, this girl's, you know, on some weird goofy trip or something. And so I like his reaction where he's like, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Which is yeah. pretty much the best, the best thing to say to, to that. Yeah. 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 You, you get definite vibes of this as a teenage girl who has, you know, a particular taste in music, which is later confirmed because we find out what kind of music she likes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She doesn't dress the part, but she's definitely accent. Yeah. Um, what, what happens? She, uh, so she oh, gets a call from her mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Her mom's calling. And so she's like, yeah, I gotta go. And he's like, yeah, that'd be good. And then the scene's over and it, it, uh, pans over to a random footage shot of, uh, bir- the weird birds changing direction mid flock, which is always mm-hmm. good. Always good. That footage, but it's yeah. Those crazy birds that all fly in unison. Yeah. Um, and then we get, uh, and then there's like a flash kind of like a, like a, a it's, it's like a dreamlike montage flash of, of stuff with the Allison lady and, uh, this kid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, screaming. The where noises. were you? Whisper. Yeah. yeah. And the weird, and the, where were you? Um, all of that good, good, solid horror stuff, uh, just flashing to scenes that we don't have a reference for, but it's like, oh, okay. That stuff is part of this. Um, and then he, uh, turns out that that was, uh, him some dreams. So he wakes up, uh, here's, uh, more where were you's and takes his medicine. And then it shows day one. That's right. It has begun. It's like, Oh, okay. 40 minutes into the movie. (laughs) Yes. Day one, (laughs) 40 minutes, 23 years and a different continent later. Amazing. Now, by the way, we should also point out that at this point, we have no fucking idea where it would happen to Paul. He's just kind of left sitting there. Yeah. The last time we saw Paul, he was by a bridge being cold and having. He was murder tearing. <laughs> yeah. He was having an, inken- an intense case of serious face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He was. Uh, a, yeah. Jesse. <laughs> Jesse from Breaking Bad. Yeah. But he never says bitch. Yep, that's the one. If you touch me, you'll die, bitch. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, Um, now it's day one and we move into a very messy but fancy house with lots of framed Mm -hmm. photos of people we don't know. Super rainy. Yeah, super rainy outside and... Outside. Yeah, (laughs) yes, not inside rainy, but I I could see that in this movie. Um, Sure. We know that there is a lady and she is calling to Amanda. She's like, what do you want with your eggs? And then she gets, uh, uh, goes on a little journey to see what's going on with Amanda in her room. And that's when we hear a gasp. Then it shows, uh, uh, the dude, uh, James, the guy, the mm-hmm. main guy, James, uh, do we, do we already know his last name? Yeah, we do because he's at the shop. So his name is, uh, La Sombra. 
La Sombra, that's right. Yeah, which means the shadow. So, Oh, does it? Yeah, that's mm, real name. Yeah, no, nothing there. Yeah. It's fine. No. Don't worry. It's okay. I thought it was Lombada, so. Lombada, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more festive than the shadow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we see that uh, the... Amanda is probably that girl and her room is all sorts of artsy and Mm -hmm. uh, she's got like the misfits poster on her wall. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the one and uh, on her bathroom mirror is written in blood. The words, the empty man made me do it. Then we meet the world's two frumpiest cops. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tweedledum and Tweedledummer. Yeah. Tweedledum and Tweedle also here sometimes. Um, we find out her yeah. dad had died of a heart attack, that she's depressed, that she had recently had a panic attack at school. Uh, we find out that she really likes uh, the lyrics to Pearl Jam's daughter because they are written mm-hmm. in her little cool teenager journal. Yeah. Um, Don't call me daughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so she's so serious, you know, Misfits, uh, Pearl Jam, it's 2018. (laughs) Skull on the bookshelf. Yeah. Little just all those little touches. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. And uh, they they're asking questions like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this is this is one thing that really gets me is there's an uh, argument taking place in the movie about whether or not she is a woman. And the the cops are like, you know. She's 18. <laughs> and the mom's like, she's in high school. And it's like, oh, that's a, a weird um, lines in the sand to draw. Probably won't come up. And then later it comes up in the creepiest way possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. I was. Yeah. It, it's like, I mean, I guess the implication was that she's old enough to, you know, if she wants to go out and run away or whatever, that they, there's really, they can't really stop her. You know? Yeah. She does. She has a right to her privacy or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're like talking to her about stuff, talking to him about stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, you used to be an undercover cop. That's pretty cool. You piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> you scumbag. And uh, he they talk to him outside where the mom can't hear. And they tell him they think it's probably animal blood. So he goes back in. The the girl's mom has a really, really good looking cigarette smoke on the daughter's bed. And mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Um, uh, then it uh, after they talk about it for a few minutes and are very vague and elusive about topics, uh, it it pans like this screen changes. And now they are at Jacques Derrida High School. <laughs> That's not what it was called, was it? It is. It is. It's, they were at Jacques Derrida High School. <laughs> this, oh my god! Yeah, this isn't this isn't a movie that just uh, uses philosophical ideas to get a thing. They actually just go ahead and have a works cited page in there. <laughs> wow, that is that's yeah, that's that's not even vaguely subtle. No, it's not. Because <laughs> later, that's like Lost, like the show Lost. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to have like a philosophical conversation letter later that like works with deconstruction and stuff. It's just so fantastic. Yeah. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah. Oh, you know, there's one thing that, that we we forgot. When when uh, James is looking through Amanda's notebook back at the house, he finds a little mini flyer for a place called the Pontifex Institute. Oh, yes, that's right. Good call. Good catch. Which he pockets. Yeah, he's like, I'll just steal this and uh, one of her panties. No, he doesn't do I'm going to turn this into a, a noir thriller and I'm a <laughs> private dick. <laughs> It it kind of goes there. It's very strange. Yeah, it's got a little bit of that going on. Yeah, it's it's really weird. At this point in the movie, like the whole beginning of the movie was like, oh, okay, this is a neat like the thing esque horror movie with the isolation, and then that movie mm-hmm. is just over now, and we're on to something yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's um, right. Including this next scene where James is creepily lurking outside of James of, of Jacques Derrida High School and lures a young teenage girl into his car with the promise of cigarettes. That was uh, that was one of the strangest moments in the movie for me because it was just like, you know, what teenage girl would get in the car with some random creep, you know, just to have a cigarette? Yeah. Like they're, they're not that hard to get a hold of, really, no. you know? No. <laughs> you don't have to risk that. <laughs> she just really wanted one right now. And this yeah. guy is where she wanted a cigarette from. Don't you know that cigarettes are bad for you? <laughs> yeah. All right, get in the car. <laughs> so, so, is, so is kidnapping, dude. Yeah. Oh my god, so weird. Um the whole, everything that this movie does with that girl is very creepy and weird. Yeah. Um so uh he talks to her like, "Hey, do you know where Amanda is? What's all this stuff? Have what's the empty man because, you know, it was written in blood and it seems like she knows stuff and she just says it's uh some stupid kids thing, but meanwhile there's like weird flashes going on and she's like seeing that weird creepy thing from earlier in the movie, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, dread dreadlock ring wraith in the, out of the corner of her eye and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let's see, we get, a we get the, she gives a story about how, if you, uh, go to a, if you're on a bridge at night and you find an empty bottle and blow into it and think about the empty man, something would happen. Yeah. Straight up urban myth. Candyman, Empty Man, Bloody Mary, yep. uh, you know, that that kind of thing, which is, uh, you know, I mean, that's it. It works. I mean, you could I guess you could argue that it's kind of cheap because it's been done before. But you could also argue that it's that's a real thing that captures the attention of teenagers. And they like yep. to fuck around with stuff like that. Exactly. You know, usually they just they think of it as a joke, but it's fun. And they have they do stuff to kind of creep themselves out. And that's the kind of thing that kids will do. Yeah. Or, you know, lure your friend into the woods and murder them. Yeah, that I mean, you know, that's yeah. just it's it's teen stuff. Yeah, teen stuff. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Yeah. Um, and so by way of her storytelling, we like she, you know, dreamily recaps the whole event. And we are taken to a scene where all of these teenagers are being assholes on a bridge that no one uses somewhere. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, at night and talking all kinds of uh, dumb bullshit stuff. And then they find a bottle. So they tell all of the rules of empty man business, which is, uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. And up, up to that point, they were like, oh, yeah, suicide. Yeah, I'm pretty cool, too. You know, teens, cool teen suicide talk. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, 
And so the yeah, rules are, yeah. Oh yeah, no. See, this is where I tried to kill myself, dude. Uh, check it out. I got like a big scar, and it's like it's not. It's like cool. Don't worry yeah, about it. Don't worry about it. No big deal. I'm like totally over it. <laughs> and um, and of course, there's like the the entire like regular collection of teens, including like the mousy one that doesn't fit in and stands at a distance. Um, and we find out that the rules of the whole thing is. Uh, on the first night, you hear him and and you can't stop thinking about him. On the second night, you see him following you. And on the third night, he finds you. And you have to, yeah, blow into the bottle on a bridge and think about him. Yeah. By the way, one of the teens, uh, speaking of them being kind of the quintessential teens, one of them is uh, one of the douchey kids from It. Oh, God, really? From the remake. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's like, yep. oh, it's him. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, two of them just finished uh, being in mid blowjob down underneath the bridge. And so we, yeah. uh, well, you know, that's part of the thing is like, oh, yeah, the slut ones. Okay. Yep. <laughs> we're all here. Mm hmm. We're all, we're all here. Bridge blowy complete. Yep. Let's all hang out on top. Yep. And, uh, then they pass the bottle around, each one blowing on it, you know, a little rite of passage thing. And then the most normal girl in the world, like, sits down and has a private little seance of one with blowing on the bottle more seriously and uh, uh, saying the empty man over and over and over again in little sections mm -hmm. of three. So, yeah, definite nods to, like, Candyman and Bloody Mary and stuff like that. So that's fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, like a it's more you know, like a tribute kind of thing. Yep, which and, I thought was uh, cool. And it's at night, so you know the bridge is all dark, and it's apparently long enough that the far end of the bridge is completely uh, uh, encased in shadows, and they mm -hmm. start hearing good spooky stuff coming from there. Yeah, they hear like creaky sounds and you know footsteps, I believe, and mm -hmm. then at, at one point they hear like the sound of somebody scraping like they're picking a bottle up off the ground or something. You can kind of hear that hollow glass. Yep. There's like a clinking, clink, clinking sound. And then you hear somebody blowing into the bottle. Mm -hmm. And of course these kids are all completely like, what the hell? And then suddenly you hear something running towards them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And that's when uh, they, you know, skedaddle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably a good call. Yeah, yeah. Always a good call from <laughs> yeah. the creepy thing on the bridge. Um, so they, yeah, they take they take off, but I and I believe they. Uh, oh yeah, then it cuts back to to uh, what, what I think the girl's name was Davara. Yes, yeah, the girl that's like in the that. car with James. Yeah, it cuts back to her in the car with him, and uh, you know she's just finished this story, and the camera pans over, and there's a whole line of kids sitting Lotus up against the wall of the school, just looking at her being creepy. Yeah. That was, that was a strange bit. Yeah. Uh, and so she's all like, uh, I gotta go. Yeah. She's kind of creeped and spooked. And so she takes off and then James looks over and sees them too. So that you realize it's probably not a figment of her imagination. Yep. Yep. Or and they're sharing figments. <laughs> Care for a figment? <laughs> Um, and so he like got, uh, I guess a list of places of the, all of the other friends and he starts going around. Uh, we go to the first one and the kid is missing. We hear off screen crying and the dad is like, who are you? Fuck off. Our son's missing. Um, yeah. And then he 
full-blown breaks in to uh, Lisa Schwartz's house. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Just just struts right in. Yep. Yep. Uh, and we hear more of that mouth stuff going on in there. Mm-hmm. And then he there's f- like weird God talk and stuff on the TV. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. And uh, he's just like going around snooping through their business. And then he uh, goes to the backyard and finds that the there's a dead dog and uh, there's buckets filled with its blood. Yeah, that was pretty gruesome looking. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was that was hardcore. <laughs> Usually, when they show a dead animal in a movie, it looks really stupid, like it's either a stuffed animal or terrible CGI. But this actually looked like a dead dog. It was yeah, pretty upsetting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a real dog. I'm pretty sure it was just you know they applied makeup to him. They're like, now stay, stay. Mm-hmm. Okay, now lick up all of the tasty blood. <laughs> Many treats off screen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah uh so then you know like cops and stuff and all of her friends are missing uh what's going on he calls uh james calls allison and i i believe he doesn't he doesn't get an answer i think he leaves a message and says that he's on you know he's on to something or something like that one of those you know, noir thriller type lines. Yeah. I'm not sure what's, what's going on yet, but I think I'm on to something. Yep. I think he finds another flyer for the Pontifex Institute at Lisa Schwartz's Ah. house. Thus, you know, uh, detective business. Uh, Yeah. This is a point at which the movie is very slow. Like, Oh my God, why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he, he goes to the bridge. Yep. And now it's nighttime because this movie also goes from day to night in the blink of an eye. Yep. Uh, Much like uh, some of the other ones we've watched already. But um, yeah, so he goes to the bridge. uh, He walks out, you know, finds a bottle. The the bottle, bottle, I guess, that the kids had. uh, Blows into it, touches it to his lips, which I thought was. Not a great. uh, Yeah. Kind of a gutsy move. Yeah. (laughs) Touches it to its lips uh, and then throws it into the water, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not scared. Yeah. Because uh, and the wind gust dies to nothing and all sound dies. And uh, then he like notices that the the blowjob manhole is open. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, I'll just go down this manhole on this creepy bridge. Um, and that's where he five finds the five kids all dead. And hung up. Yeah, it was cool because he he sees the first. I think it was the kid from It hanged right there, and then like the, like the camera angle moves a little bit, and, and they're all hanged in a line. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, at first it does. It looks like just one, but it's you know like that uh like vanishing point or whatever. Whenever it finally moves across, you can see that it's they're like all perfectly lined up. And it's funny you mentioned because the pacing is pretty slow already at this point. And when he sees the first one, my immediate thought was, are we really going to do this four more times? (laughs) (laughs) Or five more times? Yeah. (laughs) No. no. Thankfully, just one more out of this group. All in one good shot. Um, Yeah. Just knocked that whole group out right there. Yeah. (laughs) All of the ones that didn't matter. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
And of course, it says the empty man made me do it on the on the you know bracing of the bridge. Yeah, and uh, then it is a little bit later on that night, and every single emergency vehicle available in the Tri County area is there. It as it turns out, turns out the <laughs> Webster, Missouri uh, emergency services are. Well funded. Yeah, they have they have fucking emergency boats, helicopters, just just ambulances and fire trucks fighting each other trying to get on this bridge. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not really sure the history of Webster, Missouri, it's but Webster it must Mills. have been dark. <laughs> Webster Mills. Yeah. Excuse me. I, yeah, and I don't. I'm not sure the history, but it, it must something horrible must have happened at the mill. Yeah. <laughs> There was a terrible milling accident, yeah, and the, oh. it involved water and, and the air. <laughs> it involved air, water, bridges. Yeah, they they really should probably just take this bridge down. <laughs> it's quite possible that these guys are all the all of these guys were the construction crew from Basket Case. <laughs> yes, it's it's that level of overkill, like. <laughs> They are, oh, I don't know. They're they're in the process of like handing up dead teens in bags through the manhole, and uh, it's just it's just crazy. Like I don't know why the boat is there. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I had the exact same thought. Where I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we've we, we've identified that there's a lot of emergency people in this area. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like um, you know, in in uh, the suburbs around Houston, where if uh, one person gets pulled over, five cop cars show up because they are all bored. Yeah. I mean, I guess to be fair, if if you found five kids hanging in a line under a bridge in some bumfuck town in Missouri, you, you would probably have the state police and God knows who else out there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, later, we are even going to get, you know, uh, a police officer talking about how this isn't normal and I'm too old for this shit type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Got to got to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, but before that. Also, yeah, he he looks at the Pontifex flyer. Yeah. He's like leaning. It's the old leaning against the car. Oh yeah. After, (laughs) and his nose bleeds a drop of blood onto the flyer. Is that is that when it started? I missed that. Like at a certain point, he is just nose bloody, and I'm like, when did this happen? Did I miss something? Yeah, it was it was there. Yeah, it was just one little drop, and he kind of wipes it off, and then. Let's see. Does it? Where does it cut? Oh, it cuts to Devara at that point because the next time you see him, he's got cotton up his nose. Yeah. <laughs> Just tons of it shoved up in there. Yeah, it's like I guess we're not going to talk about this. No, no, it's it's fine. Men don't talk about problems. No. <laughs> um. So yeah. Yeah. Before. So before before that, it switches to a like spa locker room. Um. Which weird? It has like a bunch of lined up beauty stations with their own mm-hmm. dedicated hair dryer, and um, this is whenever I was thinking back to that scene where um, she was like, uh, you know, the the cop was like, "Well, she's eighteen, and the mom's like, but she's in high school because here is her friend from school, the friend that he creepily lured into his car with the promise of cigarettes, and mm-hmm. it's time for her to get naked." <laughs> Yeah, just take her robe off and you know get get a uh, 
a pretty lingering shot of her rump. Yep, yep. And uh and then later uh there there are tits in here too. It's through mist, yeah. but it's like why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, like if it was a 70s movie, you you know, you would still think why is this happening, but you also would recognize that it was the 70s. Yeah, and that but all in, of the directors but- were horrible people. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But in this movie, it was, you know, like they were in this era, they try to hide it a little bit, except maybe the uh, that idiot that made uh, uh, Boogeyman movie, whatever it was called. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of weird because it, it wasn't really relevant. They didn't need to show it. Nope. Nope. But, uh, you know, is, is is this character a girl? Is this character a woman? I don't know. But here's her tits. Yeah, I know. It was very, it was very strange. Yeah, weird. So she gets in the, weird yeah, choice. she gets in the sauna. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's. I would have to describe it as the steamiest sauna ever. <laughs> yes, it is the thickest steam. Yeah, like I. This might be a little too much. <laughs> you might die. <laughs> yeah, it looks like yeah. someone is vaping in the sauna. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're having a trick contest. Yeah. In the- <laughs> smoke rings so, through yeah, smoke so the- rings in the sauna. <laughs> yeah. And then the – okay, so then the, the sound, the hissing sound of the steam coming out stops. And, you know, suddenly it's it's silent. And, you know, she's kind of looking through the mist trying to see. And, you know, then suddenly she sees something coming towards her. Yeah. And it cuts to which, you know – we're going to assume is the empty man. It's the same figure that that rushes the the uh, Ruthie in the in the house back in Bhutan. Yep. Yeah, and, and it, so it uh, comes to her. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, yeah, it, and it gets all stabby with a pair of like beauty scissors. Yeah, face stabby. Yeah, like right in the face, but not like specifically not messing with the eyeballs. Uh, no, just, just the cheek below. Yeah, right into the cheekbone. I don't understand how she died. <laughs> it, it, you, yeah, that was ridiculous. I mean, I, she, that, that was, yeah, that was kind of dumb because she would, she wouldn't die from that. I mean, unless she bled out, but that would take a long time. I guess he could have choked her because he also, like, in addition to being all stabby on her face, also has it, or it has its hand around her neck and has lifted her up off the floor and is like stabbing oh, yeah. up into her face. And then, you know, a cool thing happens with the camera. And now we see that there's, it's just her own hand around her neck and her own hand with the scissors stabbing herself in the face. Yeah. And once she loses consciousness or once she dies, then suddenly there is no empty man present. It's her holding herself up and off the ground and stabbing herself in the face. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. But yeah, like that, it just, it just like, she just ruined her cheek. Like that's it. yeah, that's that's yeah. all the damage that was done. I guess I guess maybe she could have had an aneurysm or choked to death. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard to say exactly. Yeah. But she falls to the ground, and you see her her blood, and it's it's very psycho. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, blatantly psycho, which was cool. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even catch that. But you're right. They uh, I bet they wish they could use like chocolate syrup for the blood in that scene. I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we see uh, 
the but then we see the the empty man's reflection in her blood, and then she closes her eyes, mm-hmm. and that's the end of that scene. That was that was a cool it was a cool scene. I thought it was handled pretty well. Yeah, if, other than the you know weirdness of why it was happening, <laughs> the impossibility of dying that way. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Um, and so now uh, the movie oh, yeah, and the is done yeah. being creepy towards this girl because she's dead now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this yeah. m- movie definitely had a weird crush on that girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, now it goes back to uh, Bleedy Nose and the better of the two frumpy police officers. Yeah. James has a, a white beach towel stuffed up his nose <laughs> and he's sitting across the desk from from one of the police officers. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about oh, stuff. He, uh, the police officer compa- starts talking about how, um, uh, murder is like sewage. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. <laughs> how it can contaminate a whole town. Uh, we see his hands are shaky. He's like tupping his coffee or his, uh, his tea bag in the, in the cup and, uh, mm-hmm. tells a weird story about, he's like, uh, a woman who fed her baby to stray dogs and then said the empty man t- made her do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he says, I've come to the conclusion that there is no solving crimes like these. We can, uh, we can put the mother in prison or we can, or even in the gas chamber. <laughs> but yeah. There's, but there's no solving it. It's too big. We can't indict the cosmos. He says, yeah, that was a little heavy handed line. Uh, it's like, it's yeah, whoa, <laughs> the gas chamber, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. This back cup, off. Yeah. This cup definitely needs to be like two weeks away from retirement. Yeah, nap time, Serpico. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the line, we can't indict the cosmos, is great. That's great. It's just such a weird place for it to come from. It really is. So and then we hear some of this some of this talking with in voiceover and then the, then we see a shot of a a candlelight vigil at night. And then it it basically the, the shot cuts to James uh it sees this candlelight vigil. If I, yeah, if I remember correctly, he's still, or is it, it's kind of cutting around at this point. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. It's, it's uh, I, I wrote a note at this point is this movie is not afraid to just take its time and be all moody. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it'll do this kind of weird transition between scenes where maybe it's a bridge where, um, <laughs> where, you know, you're like, you're in the police station and then you see this candlelight vigil and then you're, you're back with, you know, the police thing. And then, you know, eventually you're entirely at the candlelight vigil part, you know, it kind of drifts into scenes sometimes. Yep. Which was cool. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it's great cinematography. All of this thing, all the times I'm making fun of it. It's just uh, this, this, this really should have been the director's cut of the movie. I feel like there is a, a solid 90 minute movie here that still gets everything across, but like, this is like the full like art film version of it. Yeah, it's funny because the reviews I read, you know, usually there's there's you know a pretty solid element in most reviews where I'm like, yeah, this guy's a tool, but overall he's right. But this this was this is bullshit. But you know, they all had basically said that this movie kind of has future classic stamped on it, and it really does. Yeah, absolutely. I I I I could see it really kind of yeah, like developing an audience because it was an absolute total box office failure. Oh yeah, I never heard of it until this year. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing that they were able to this guy was able to, you know, get a green light on a two hour plus creeper that that they try to market it market towards teenagers. And that kind of stuff is so dumb because yeah, you might get some teens that watch it, but they're gonna fucking hate it. And yeah. so <laughs> you just kill the movie right there. Yeah. <laughs> if they had made more of a kind of, you know, we've had hereditary, we've had uh Midsummer, we you know, we've had more uh intellectually minded adult themed horror films recently the witch uh, you know there's there is an audience for that stuff but i guess they were too afraid 20th century fox was too afraid to market it that way yep yeah i don't know i don't know what they what they were going for with this i guess they uh didn't want to think outside that box be like no let's go with the thing that we know will get us a million dollars at least you know yeah 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 <laughs> i you know i uh when i worked at this this bookstore there was uh, a guy that came in one time and he was a, a movie producer he's the guy that had started orion pictures Ooh. and um he was in texas because he was making a movie with um uh the guy that made oh god the guy that made badlands and uh terrence uh stamp what the hell no it's the director uh he he made Badlands. He made uh, the Thin Red Line. Oh. Uh, uh, anyways, so this guy was, you know, we started talking, and he was telling me how you know he had worked with this this director, and, and I, don't, I gotta find this guy's name. It's Terrence Malick. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So I was talking to this guy, and he was talking about you know Terrence Malick and stuff, and um. What was the? I'm trying to remember what the hell we were talking about that that triggered me to even say this in the first fucking place. It's a great story so uh, far. Oh my god! It's you know, <laughs> having a complete brain fart on a on a podcast is always good. <laughs> Which Terrence <laughs> where were was we in he? the story? <laughs> we can we can move on if it comes back to me. I'll I'll share it because it is a kind of an interesting story. But okay, I I don't, I don't know how it ties into this at this point. I'd like to hear. Whenever it comes back, Jesus Christ! Let's see. Well, where where were we? We were at uh, we were at the one hour mark where he finally gets his shit together and Google's the Pontifex Institute. Yeah, that that's true. Let's see. He, yeah, he's he was at the police station. They show the kind of like the candlelight vigil business. Yep, and then it shows him at home. His nose is still bleeding. Uh, yeah, I, I have no fucking idea where I was going with that. But anyways, okay. so he. <laughs> He he Googled <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, it it would have been a great story, folks. It would have been good. Um, oh, I know what it was. Okay. I know what I was gonna say. It was because <laughs> we were talking about, you know, what was 20th Century Fox thinking when they marketed this film because, you know, they went for the cheap the cheap move and tried to market it towards a younger audience, but a, a younger audience would kill any hope of this movie being watched by anybody else. Yeah. They wanted to so, repeat the success of the bye bye man. Yeah. So eventually the movie, you know, if it's, if the movie's good enough, it will catch on, but it can, you know, it can take a really long time if they do everything they can to, to ruin it. Uh, but studios love to do that. They love to bury projects even after they put all their money into the damn thing. But if, you know, like, so yeah, anyways, who cares? Let's move on. So he Googles Pontifex Institute. Yes. And this is a very strange point in the movie because it's like, did you mean the Pontifex Society? I don't know why. Yeah. What was that about? What was the point of that? I don't know. (laughs) So random. 
Um, but yeah, he reads around. It's like, oh, they're a bunch of assholes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they really are. They're suicides. They're they're considered. Some people call them a death cult. Yep. You know, they have this have some sort of weird like kind of new agey culty, almost maybe like a mind control kind of accusations being thrown at them. Yep. Yeah. And um, uh, he comes across the word- semi spiritual. Yeah. Yep. He comes across the word tulpa, which I thought was neat because I had just Googled that word in the like last few months I'd encountered it. And I was like, what's that word? And so seeing it in this movie was kind of neat. Yeah. What is that word? So tulpa is a, uh, a physical manifestation of a psychic projection. Basically you, uh, through uh, one person's th- thought power or a group of people's thought power, they can manifest an uh, independent creature. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's the idea. Well, that that pretty dead on then. Yep. Yeah, um, that's oh, that's actually pretty cool. Yep. So yeah, he's like googling, and I was like, eh, whatever, probably unrelated. Um, <laughs> and then uh, the lady from earlier comes over, Amanda's mom. Uh, he, he, she comes in, he checks the yard behind her before closing the door and, uh, she's brought over Chinese food because he isn't good about remembering to eat. And he spends the whole time while she's talking, firmly grasping a bottle of whiskey. It's, it's, yeah. he's like, I'm not going to put this down. <laughs> and there was a moment there where she, she seemed, you know, like practically cheerful, which I thought was it was, I mean, I know how people, you know, when you're, even when you're grieving, you don't, that doesn't mean you have to be weeping 24 hours a day, but to play her, to play her as if she's just suddenly fine, I thought was strange, but then you realize that she's not, she's just kind of yeah trying to be upbeat because she just came over and brought him terrible Chinese food. Yeah. 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 She's like explaining like, here's this box of food. Here's this box of food. Everything's just fine. And, uh. <laughs> He finally is like, fine, I'll put down the bottle of whiskey and give you a sloppy hug. Yeah. Um, and then and, and nothing, no sparks will fly from that hug. Nope, nope. <laughs> Although I think her sparks were flying a little. Um, yeah, I think his were too. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, uh, get, uh, she's like, can I stay? And he's all like, ew, no. <laughs> She's like, right, right, boundaries, boundaries, and uh, have they have themselves a whiskey, and then she leaves. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're kind of, you know, yeah, because she says boundaries. Yep, yeah, she's trying to trying to bust a move a little bit, and yeah, you know, I think he's interested, but you know, he does, and then he's you know puts the puts the kibosh on that. <laughs> nah, babe. Um. And uh, I wrote the I wrote the note here. What the hell? I do not care about these people's problems. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Get on with the spooky. Yeah, I do. This is not interesting. I mean, it's nice. They they look like nice people. This kitchen looks like a piece of shit. It looks real. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. Uh, Dream montage. Oh yeah, that's right. And we hear on the first night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's like the the chair in in the tunnel, and you can see a record playing, uh, mm-hmm. and then someone's driving a car, and there are rosary beads on the uh, uh, rear mirror, and uh, flash to the empty man. Dun dun. Yeah. 
and then he, you know, yeah, he wakes up and uh, it's in the middle of the night. It's three oh four in the a.m. Mm-hmm. The wolf hour. Because that's is that what is that? Does that have? I mean, obviously, it has relevance. Is that what it is? I, I think it might be a reference to that. Like, yeah, the wolf's hour or the wolf wolfing hour. I don't know. It's supposed to be the hour between three and four where like stuff and dumb people say it. I don't know. <laughs> Stuff and yeah. things. Yeah, stuff and some things also. Yeah. And uh, James. So he hears. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say James is real serious. We find out about his jammies situation. Yeah, he, he is definitely rocking the gym jammies. Yeah, he has a full pajama set going on. <laughs> like, like it. I, I was almost surprised there there were no footies in the in the pants of his gym jammies. Yeah, at times it does look like a onesie, but it it looks like it might actually be a shirt and pant uh, combo situation. But I think it's like long underwear, which I never understand why you need to wear long underwear to bed when you can just turn your fucking heater on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it it's easy to take him seriously whenever he has his full jammies and his baseball bat. I know he kind of looks he looks a little bit like Alex from Clockwork Orange. Yeah, just no hat. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, but yeah, he hears uh, he hears creaking on the floor and goes out to investigate. And uh, uh, there's like the light is all weird at times and stuff. But it turns out there's nothing in the house. Yeah, he looks under the under the door and sees like two dark shadows. Um you know, as if there's footprints and not footprints, but like there's somebody standing there and then he kind of looks like the thing turns around and walks away. And then one foot comes off and then the other foot comes off and he opens the door and the door to his home is op- wide open. That's and of right. course there's nobody there. Yep. Which is kind of weird because that means it's day one or night one or whatever. And he saw it sort of. Sort of. Mostly just heard it. It's almost yeah. like these rules don't make sense. I mean, up until that moment, I thought it was a, like a documentary. So that 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 kind of <laughs> broke it, it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, suspended my suspended it uh, <laughs> reawakened my disbelief. <laughs> um. So yeah. So there's nothing in the house, and uh, I guess he goes back to sleep because then we see day two. Oh yeah, he takes doxapin. Oh yeah, doxapin. Yes. Whatever the fuck that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is important to the movie that it is Doxapin and that we know that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's absolutely important. It's imperative. Oh, it's for, it's, it's a antidepressant nerve pain medicine also used to treat insomnia. So, okay. Wow. One, two, three. They did their research. Nice. Let's get some. <laughs> Who's down to docs? <laughs> I'd like to feel less depressed and also sleep. <laughs> exactly. And what's with all the pain? Um, let's see. Uh, so the next day, day two. Yeah, day two. He goes to the Pontifex Institute and it is a great place. Um, it is uh, there's a dude whose face is shrouded by shadows staring down yeah. from the rotunda balcony above. 
And the the waiting area that he's in is full of pamphlets and posters that say things like achieve and unlock and unleash and manifest. Yeah, it is. Um, it's pretty creepy. Of course, it's, that's the idea. And then, you know, but the people are creepy to the point of almost being unhuman. Mm hmm. Yep. Yeah, this is where that really like starts happening a lot in this movie is uh, like people are just like all starey and and not not reacting to the world as normal. Yeah, very pallid and kind of robot-y, like black hole sunish, like the video. Yeah. Where the faces are just a little too smiley. Yep. Yep. And uh, there's a woman at the desk and she says, Welcome, go ahead and have a seat. You're just in time. And gives them a clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Fill this out. Yeah. Uh, and he he asks them, uh, asks her how how long this place has been going. She says that it's it was established in 2013, but what we can offer you is as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So he goes to fill out the new member questionnaire, which includes uh, allergies uh, and a true false personality assessment with cool questions like life itself is a disease. Yes or no. An infection is a blessed event, yes or no, or the brain can itch, yes or no. Yeah, those were fantastic and very specific questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the brain can itch. Some other highlights are the entire universe is an erogenous zone, yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> I love his reaction. He kind of looks at it and he's like, yeah, this, I'm not, this is ridiculous. This, I'm not filling this out. God, fuck. Goddamn government forms. So he comes back and I think that's when we get the first, um, yeah, I get it. I'm from San Francisco. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I and get all of this. looks at him like that weird empty smile, you know, it's like. I, I thought that was a great joke because he he keeps trying to be charming and funny and it doesn't work at yeah, all. Yeah, these people do not care. <laughs> In the least. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, pont Pontifex, which obviously is, you know, in ancient Rome kind of refers to uh, priests. But in this case, uh, if you break it down from the Latin, it, it basically means bridge make. Oh, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Got that word in there. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, so, so yeah, he, uh, he walks past that lady. She says she has said other dumb things that are, you know, weird and like creepy cult, like in the meantime, uh, and he like slips past her in with a group of people that go into like a big, uh, lecture hall and, uh, mm -hmm. Steven fucking root is there. And he's the guy uh, in charge of giving a speech and it's incredible. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. What a, what a great idea to put him in that role. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I never would have thought of him as made for the crazy, like mind power cult leadership guy, but he's great at it. He's perfect because he has this doofus charm, like the kind of guy that you just – if you saw him on TV talking like that, you would immediately dismiss him as a flake. But he doesn't – he doesn't come across as flaky. You know, He comes across as a pretty just kind of dull, basic, kind of generic middle-aged dude, you know? Yeah. Um, which is why he's so great in that role because he – he doesn't really seem particularly threatening or menacing, he, and 
He doesn't have to be because you know he is. Yeah, no, he he just seems like this nice guy that wants to help you discover the true face of the world. Yeah, which I, I guess technically he is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's real good. I wasn't expecting uh, uh, Milton or Bill Dotrieve to show up in this movie, but there he is. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, he was great. That was a great idea to put him in there. Yeah, I could totally believe him, too, if they wanted to make him like a uh, uh, like southern fire and brimstone televangelist. Like, he yeah. he could pull that off. <laughs> it's great. He would be great. He would be great at it. That, yeah, he, he great character actor for sure. Yep. And uh, he gives a whole speech with uh, like weird axiomatic dumb nonsense. There's uh, uh, lots of um, nihilism, lots of uh, uh, Nishi references. And Mm -hmm. uh, basically it's like, what if nihilism, but there's this cool like God thing going on in there. Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, he's any he, afterwards, he talks to James, James up comes up and talks to him and everyone, instead of being like, don't cut in line, they just like patiently stand there staring appreciately as he has this like cool one-on-one youth pastor talk with the dude. Yeah, that was crazy. It was cool because the, the speech that he gives to the crowd is more kind of a little bit more generic, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little broad, uh, and then it's it's a bit more pointed and specific when he's talking to James because obviously James isn't going to just settle for that you know that sales pitch uh, because he's not there for that reason um, and so the guy is is a little bit more direct with him and it's it's the interaction is pretty cool or he talks about the nose fear and you know it's like this weird mix of like garbled nonsense and actually you know pretty well researched you know, philosophical ideas about emptiness and identity and then some, some stuff about, you know, the, the tearing down the veil between this world and, you know, something else and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's an interesting mishmash of stuff that works pretty well. Oh, absolutely. I completely believe that this director has read two philosophy books at least. Um, yeah, I, mean, I was I was impressed that it was, you know, because usually movies just fuck this part up so bad. Yep. Uh, they either wait, they either get away with making it just way over the top. So you, you accept it because it's silly or, you know, or it's just so dumb that you can't take it seriously, but this actually was effective. Yep. Yeah. And it, uh, it actually presents a, like a theory, like a, an extrapolated theory based on its own world building. So it like uses, uh, Derrida's, uh, deconstruction of like, um, the, the difference between pre- prescriptivism and descriptivism and then like takes it one step further into meaning in, instead of descriptivism, which is by repetition, a new meaning can be given to a word. He takes it the next step further that by then further repetition, all meaning can be rendered gibberish, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. That was really cool. And, and, you know, because I mean, it's a, it's a common idea the way he presents it to, to James, the character James that, you know, like you know, when he mentions, you know, how children, when they say something over and over again, it, it eventually is stripped of all meaning. It just sounds like nonsense. Yep. And, but ties that kind of into their philosophy of what they're, what they're trying to accomplish in this place. I thought that was cool. I thought it worked pretty well. Yep. Yeah. It was neat. I liked it. There was one thing I wanted to mention when the guy's giving his speech and they show, you know, these people that are wearing these hideous, like kind of yellowish blazers 
they almost look like they're maybe the officers of this organization or something. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, there's that scene where they all clap at the end and stomp their feet together, which I thought was weird. Yeah. But w- one of them uh, looks like Greg. Oh. The guy that dies at the beginning of the movie. And the camera lingers on his face for just a second. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's a cool idea, but it's also kind of problematic because it really doesn't have anything to do with the story if that was the, if that was the case. Yeah. Well, that that would be weird for something in this movie to not have anything to do with the story. <laughs> usually usually when when you know a movie makes an effort to draw your attention to something, uh-huh. even if it's a dumb idea, there is an idea there, but I don't know what the idea was. I don't know if it was to say you know, people can come back because no one else does. It's not, you know, he wasn't a particularly, he's important, I guess, in a sense, but I mean, he's not like a key character in any way. Nope. Uh, doesn't you know, even show see up any of the, I didn't see, I didn't see Ruthie over there. God damn it. <laughs> I bet Fiona was somewhere just doing something useful. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering if maybe the other ones were there too. And I just didn't recognize them because it, it really, it, it, I mean, it just happens for a moment, but it definitely – I went back and watched that scene again, and it definitely focuses on this one dude's face. Yeah. And his hair's cut and stuff, so he looks different. He doesn't have a beard. I think the guy had a beard earlier. Yeah. So I'm going to go and, ahead and say that we are at the hour and the half mark in recording, and we are halfway through this movie. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> We <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's move it forward. Yeah, he also meets some weird guy at the like like the at the AA style like coffee area, and he's like got this one of those jackets with like the fluffy collar and uh, mm-hmm. just just a one of a kind face. Um, yeah, and he'll meet him later. It becomes important. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and then he goes on a little looky loo. Yeah, he goes has himself a, a little um, a little trespass because in cults, you, you know, in a cult facility, you can usually just wander around and do whatever you want, and nobody notices. Yeah, this cult has a strong open door policy. <laughs> yeah, uh, for him, obviously. Yeah, there's uh, he like finds a cool room with like bunks. And there's a PA system saying stuff like nothing exists, even if something exists and like going on these lines. And there's like a group of uh, perfectly shaven head dudes, perfectly spaced apart, all meditating while staring at the uh, black poster that we're, we've started to see a little bit here and there. Yeah, just a blank poster, black poster. Yeah, like a few little like dark blue highlights mixed in, maybe. I don't know. It could just be yeah. a reflection. Um, well, it, there is, that does happen later where he's, he's looking at a poster and you can see things just very slightly moving on them on yep. the poster. Yep. Uh, you can hear them chattering, doing that clicky sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either he's in some weird file room. Yep. Yeah. He's in, he's in like some sort of weird storage room that has like pipes in it. And, and it has, mm-hmm. uh, all of these old, uh, records including one uh folder that's called manifestation 14 and if yeah. if he had just stopped and picked it up right here we could have shaved a good 40 minutes off this movie <laughs> but oh no nope detective james is a 
jackass. <laughs> he's like, oh, obviously this one that the camera lingered on is not important. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then he goes down the sweatiest basement hallway I've ever <laughs> it's seen. So sweaty. Uh, and, uh, he finds a, a giant room, a humongous room where a small group of people are having themselves a little classroom situation in the middle with one light illuminating them and darkness surrounding them. And so he Mm -hmm. thinks he's going to have himself a little look and he accidentally makes a little noise. Um, and what is it? They, uh. If they uh, they start saying, uh, you see them, they like start a little click timer and they say, if there's someone here now, make yourself known to us. And then he starts hearing creepy noises from somewhere else in the gigantic room. And he thinks Mm -hmm. that that's pretty weird. Uh, And then he gets caught. Well, they all but they all bust out a bottle and start blowing on the bottle. That's right. They're all blowing on the bottles. Um and, uh, and yeah, and he, they make him leave, which I thought was weird. Yeah. And it was this really weird, awkward scene where he like gets caught and they like turn the lights on and all the people down there in the little classroom meeting turn and look at him. And he's all like, hi, sorry, I was snooping on you. Uh, have you guys know where the bathroom is? <laughs> so instead it was uh, down here. Um, My bad. Yeah. So they kick him out, and then he he gets kicked out into a really drippy alleyway where he meets that weird fluffy collar guy from the coffee area who says, yeah, you'll never get dish. anywhere like that with these cats, man. <laughs> and I like where he's like, what's with the Neil Cassidy routine? <laughs> yeah. The guy's like, who? The guy's like, who? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this perfect guy. moment to mention that he's from San Francisco, by the way, yeah. but he didn't drop that in. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did lay one of those on Steven Root, which also had no effect. Yeah. Steven's like, oh, uh huh. <laughs> OK, great. Don't care. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. I just run a crazy institute in Missouri. I'm glad you went to San Francisco sometime. <laughs> yeah. So Neil Cassidy douche talks about Amanda and uh, the the empty man tells him that, you know, yeah, she's she's. I've seen her. She's here. She's going through. She's in the so-and-so stage or all, all this weird, goofy shit. Yeah, yeah. They've got big plans for her. They're moving her up. She's going to be taking her first step to singularity. Yeah. None of this is sketchy, by the way. Yeah, no. And he's like, these people, you got to be careful. They don't have five years plans. They've got 500-year plans, man. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> and, of course, there's cameras everywhere, which James is aware of. Yeah. Uh and uh, so that's a thing. And yeah, he says that she's going to um, what I will call Camp Crystal Lake, but it is actually called <laughs> yeah. Camp Elsewhere. But uh, Camp Elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. St. Elsewhere. <laughs> yes. And uh, so they they like talk it out. He goes and then there's this cool scene where it's a map of mm-hmm. like the roads. You know, there's Mark Twain National Park there. Um, and then it zoom, like it slowly zooms in and the map actually becomes the scenery around him. And it finally yeah, zooms in on cool. the car that I was like, nah, neat, good, good, good yeah. movie stuff. Yeah. It reminded me of that scene in hereditary where you zoom in on the dollhouse and then realize you're actually in a real house. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good, fun cinematography stuff. 
Mm-hmm. It was cool. Pointless, but cool. Yep. And uh, we see him. He drives past the uh, Camp Crystal Lake sign, at which point I wrote yeah. the note. Wait, what kind of movie is this? Yeah. Oh, and you realize right away that when you see this building and he drives up on the property, it's it, it's the same building reflected in a painting that was on the wall at the Pontifex Institute. Oh, for real? Nice little tie in there. Oh, yeah. Neat deet, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> neat deet. Uh, so he starts snooping around. Yeah. Oh, he, he passes this this ridiculous looking teddy bear which was so dumb yeah teddy bear that like has been shot or something it, it like yeah. it's got little little bits of its stuffing guts are like all around the floor around it yeah it's molesto the teddy bear <laughs> yeah. um and uh he goes in of course it's time to trespass uh um, yeah there's a office inside inside where he finds uh files of the people that are missing and uh he finds his own file with his name on it mm-hmm. and it's empty get it yeah he, do you yeah, get it yeah it's empty whoa <laughs> you just blew my mind the james Lasombra file is empty man oh snap he finds amanda's file too but he he just kind of thumbs past that yeah basically like oh this doesn't matter um, yeah. Then there's files on. Yeah. There's files on all the dead kids, the kids that hang themselves. Yep. Yeah. Lots of old computer business and stacks of tapes. Uh, yeah. VHS. That's right. VHS tapes. And, and, and then he goes, well, he, 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 no, he doesn't, he hasn't seen the teddy bear yet. He leaves there and goes to another cabin, cabin 12. And it's all empty and dusty and kind of dilapidated. He, he passes the VH te- VHS tapes. One of them says manifestation. Yeah. 13. Uh, 13 is how it is. Yeah, it's the manifestation he, just before the previous one that he didn't think was interesting. <laughs> That's right. I know. And he, he he passes that teddy bear in there. It's kind of like a like a barrack or something like a camp. Like, you know, it's got like bunk beds and shit. So he pops in the manifestation 13 tape. Yeah. And it's it's got this kind of, you know, fuzzy, staticky. Uh, if you've seen Lost, there's there's a scene in there where somebody's watching it, an old training tape that has a very same similar effect. Yeah. And it's, it's got that, uh, that like opening logo and it's like the Pontifex society. We transmit, you receive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's all culty and weird. And you see this group of people sitting and there's this, then you see this dude who looks like he's comatose, kind of like, uh, like Paul was acting at the beginning of the film. Yep. Um, he's, He's all bloody and kind of rubbing at his abdomen, which was disgusting. Yeah, it looks like he had like ripped off his own skin and was mm-hmm. dipping his fingers in in the wound and then using the blood as paint to paint on the wall. And it's really fun because if you look closely, you can see that he has too many fingers. Ooh, it was really yeah, good. Yeah, it says Yeah, he paints Empty Man on the wall like a like a drawing of Empty Man. Yep. I guess. Yeah. It's like an outline of a creature with kind of like rays of blood going out. Yeah, and it's and in the full lotus you, position. Yeah, yep. And James realizes that he's so this uh, happened in the room he's in because the that figure is painted on the wall next to him. Yeah, he like looks at it and he's and like, then, "Wait a minute!" and turns around and there it is on the wall. Huh? Cool. <laughs> and then you see the teddy bear move just a little yeah, bit. It's its head just pivots like, "Oh, I want to see." <laughs> And then he realizes he looks behind him and notices that it's gone. Yeah. 
yeah, they're just just his little like wound stuffing is left on the floor around where it was. Yeah, and then he goes outside and it's night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because who knows how long he was in the house. Yeah, VHS tapes last a very long time. Yeah. And then he hears, you know, there's like a lake or, yeah, I guess a lake, and he hears chanting. Yeah. Yeah. And he crosses over oh, a bridge. Ooh. What? Gets across the bridge. Yeah. Sees a bunch of people, maybe, I don't know, 50 people, 60 people, yep. all like, like, Chanting and walking in a big circle around a huge bonfire. Yep. And then as like as soon as he steps close enough, they all stop and they just all stand in place and start swaying back and forth. Yeah. And then he yeah, he gets in the water, he gets closer, then they do that, and then suddenly the fire turns into a sky fire NATO. Yeah, it turns it like like gets all weird shapey and laser beams upward. Yeah. Yeah. Like Un- unnaturally high in the sky and he's, he's you know it's kind of this trippy effect and yep you know and then all of a sudden he's back to normal the fire looks normal the chanting stops the fire is out now yeah at this point and uh yeah and it's very quiet <laughs> yeah it the the fire goes out and then the giant f- like football field floodlight also turns off and then yeah. you can just barely see all of those people are just standing there in the shadows uh, and then they just start walking like a creepy ass herd, not towards him, but like no. towards him adjacent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, they do, uh, he takes one step back and then all of them in synchronous take one step forward. Then he takes another step back and they all take a step forward at the same time. Very reminiscent of, uh, previous situations where stuff like that happens uh mm-hmm. with the uh with the like empty man with like the dreadlock ring wraith at the beginning of the movie uh yeah and also very reminiscent of a scene in uh a ben in one of the ben wheatley films that that, that movie kill list that i that i oh, we need to watch as well yeah that sounds good yeah, and so after the second time he takes a step back and they take one step forward, he he, he says, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, because he steps on a stick and gets their attention. Oh, is that what it is? They, they all turn and look at him in unison. And then he goes, yeah, no, and <laughs> turns around and starts running. Yeah, he, he does a full <laughs> skedaddle. It was great because it just completely broke the tension. It was actually funny. Yeah. Because uh, it was a very disturbing scene. Like, why are they, you know, why are they acting like that? Why are they, everything's in unison. It was just strange. Yep. And then they come after him 28 weeks later style. Yes. Yeah. Fast zombie style, just charging. Like, they don't care about no bridge. They just run through a lake at him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just all over his car. They're, you know, yeah. like no concern for their own safety yeah once he makes it back to the car i thought it was a neat little detail they all start throwing their bottles at him <laughs> yeah it's great. like okay they all got bottles and then they're just jumping all on top of his car and he drives away you know he like crushed at least two people getting away from that yeah. situation they don't show it but it and i love to it happen it was great as he's driving away and he goes what the fuck was that <laughs> Yeah, this guy definitely doesn't know he's in a horror movie, but it's it's got a 
the the barest inklings of like a Sam Raimi's Evil Dead type situation going on in there. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. And then then he's back in the police station <laughs> and trying to explain all this. And the cop, of course, they these guys think he's completely out of his skull. Yeah, they have a whole argument about proper ways of gathering evidence. Yeah, you can't just stroll into a private property. James, you may not know that because you were probably never a cop or anything. Yeah, you big piece of shit. You giant bucket of shit. Yeah, and the frumpier of the two cops is actually there for this conversation, too. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. Yeah, you know, he comes and goes. Yeah. Uh, So he goes to to visit uh, What's-Her-Nuts. Well, her name is Laura. I don't even know if they've told you her name yet at this point. Probably. I'm bad at names. Amanda's mom. But before he goes to visit her, he goes to his cool store and he gears up, which means he gets one gun and two multi-tool pocket knives. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to need one of these and two of these. (laughs) And nothing else. Yeah. Because I'm a security professional. Yep. So yeah, he then he goes and uh, goes to see Laura. Um, they have whiskey. He checks outside. There's a van outside. He's like, "Ooh, I don't like that van." Um, the phone rings. Uh, you hear the on the other end of the phone. He's like, "We gotta go." And they both get in. Both clicky. Yeah. Oh no, the clicksums. They uh, they get in their cars. They drive to a hotel, and he they are then outside. And uh, he says that he thinks that they haven't been followed. Um, mm-hmm. And then Laura's all sad. She's like, oh, "Amanda's dead, isn't she?" He's like, "No, no, no." If she was babe. dead, we would know by now. Yeah. <laughs> no, the fact because that all these other things they? are going on, man. That's how you know she's not dead, man. Yeah, she's turned to life. Yeah. Then they have and Then this, they have a very touching talk yep. about the bad thing. Yeah, the bad thing that they don't uh uh what is it? They say uh the thing we never talk about. Uh, yeah. and she asks if you think we've punished ourselves long enough. Um it, but they never like, you know, obviously it's just the thing they never talk about. We don't really they don't say anything specific. Yeah, they really still don't talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, then we see more of his memories, right? Yeah, another another where were you montage. Mm-hmm, uh, that's right with uh, at, with his with his wife and the and the kid, and we we see the clicky the clicky teeth thing. Yeah, the kid has this coin that he won't stop smashing into his teeth. <laughs> and then she, uh, what is it? A deer, I think, runs out in front of the car. Do, do we get all of that right now, or is is that? I don't later? know if we get that now or later. Yeah. But yeah, that is a thing that, that happens. Yeah, you just see the car crash, I think. And then it's, of course, he wakes up. It's 3.04. 3.03 turns to 3.04. Mm-hmm. It's all stormy. Yep, yep. And as 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 this is day two, he opens the door to down the hall and kind of sees a figure crouching down, it looks like. And then it stands up. Of course, it's empty, man. Yeah. It gets all spooky. Of course, he's got his full jammy and baseball bat situation going again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I know, rocking the same jammies. Yeah. And uh, after a while of uh, uh, 
like having the door closed and like trying to keep the empty man out of his room. He, uh, you hear, uh, the front doorbell, a nice little ding dong going in there. <laughs> and right. he, uh, he, uh, makes his way. Like after he like checks the house is like, uh, where's the creepy thing that I know is obviously here. Uh, he goes to the front door and, uh, the, the fucking teddy bear <laughs> is on the doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I made the note. What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> yeah. Like, where are we going here? Uh, he, uh, it's Ted, yeah, he squats down, goes in for a nice little poke on the teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, then he, he ends up like this great posed scene where he's like holding up the teddy bear and he has the baseball bat resting across his shoulder. <laughs> It's just so weird and uh, uh, Ash Evil Dead style looking. I don't know. Uh, he says something too, like "all right" or you know something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, then we see it's like the next morning, and normally we've seen he takes his medicine and that there is a ring in there with the medicine, and this time he mm-hmm. decides not to take his medicine and instead he puts the ring on. That will be right. very important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. And then we see day three. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, day three. Day three. He's got some heavy boozing to do in the car. Um, yeah. He's sitting. He's uh, staking out the Pontifex Institute. Just drinking. Uh, he sees the weird guy get in the car with others and we see that he has the teddy bear with him in the back seat of his car <laughs> it's just it's like okay <laughs> and uh they're in an old school cadillac seville and he follows them to a really cool looking st louis memorial hospital mm-hmm. yep uh, they go in through a back door. He does a really dumb-looking jump-over-the-railing move <laughs> that looks like it was not necessary at all. <laughs> I guess it that's what the... go around. Yeah, I think that's what the medicine was there to prevent him from doing. <laughs> Getting vaulty. Yeah. So now he's in, like, the back of a hospital, like, the weird hallways, and you can hear, like, creepy, deep-throated frog voices going on. Um <laughs> And he sees he follows them and they visit some hospital room and uh, they're like all standing around the person in the hospital bed and they synchronized fall to their knees and start bowing. At which point we can see that the person in the hospital bed is Paul from the first part of the movie. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was real neat. He's like in a hospital bed. He's all like shave heady and. And looks all sick and is in a coma. Um, And then he, James, waits outside and (laughs) full-blown abducts the kid. Totally abducts Neil Cassadouche. Yeah, yes. Uh, Pepper sprays him in the face and then noisily shoves him, fighting, kicking, and screaming into the back of his car, to which... All of the people around on the street can easily hear and have no reaction to. 
all of them are buried on their cell phones. Yeah. Another weird little moment of levity that made no sense. Yeah, little, little, uh, that one's in here for grandpa who thinks kids shouldn't be on their cell phones so much moment. That was so strange. Yeah. Like, why was that in there? Yeah. Um, so they have a whole weird, he like takes him to like a a gully situation and it has a gun to his head and it's like, you're going to tell me all the things. Um, and he's all like, uh, Paul is an antenna. He transmits. We receive thought is communicable, dude. Yeah. He gets the broiest new age speech ever. Yeah. Uh, they talk about the noosphere, shared thoughts, uh, and how the shared thoughts aren't just from human thoughts. They're other minds and ancient and angry things. And whenever you dream or have fevers or deja vu, it's all actually a documentary. It's not things you're thinking up. Right. Pretty cool. But James is not impressed, and he gets very punchy, punchy. Yeah, he gets he gets punchy. Um, <laughs> the only uh, what is it? Um, sometimes there's an empty man, uh, and the, the endless black chaos. Things are gonna slide, man. It's gonna be a bloodbath. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then James beats the living hell out of Cassadouche, who's yeah. laughing hysterically. Yes. And do you did you catch the uh his his one liner while he's beating up the guy? What was it? It's I'm so sick of your shit, man. I grew up in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Such a weird that whole little section there the last few minutes is so strange yeah it's it's real weird (laughs) weird stabs at humor yep um that's right san francisco yeah that was great (laughs) yep uh and so he leaves him there and goes and it's time to do more uh uh trespassing so he's gonna break into the uh uh, pontifex institute and he pulls out his like uh uh uh, what is it chain cutting pliers Mm -hmm. uh, but it turns out cops his way in yeah but it turns out that the chains were already not locked so he can just walk right in and he finally he uh, remembers oh i think there was a binder called manifestation 14 i'll go get that yeah of course he just suddenly notices it when he didn't seem to notice it before which that's fine yeah that's fine no 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 problem but he gets it he gets the file opens it up and all of his shit is in there yep including a newspaper clipping that just says growing up in San Francisco. Yeah. Pictures of him naked sitting in a chair. Um, like all kinds of weird, very specific stuff that is oddly directly related to things that he said throughout the movie in a, in a strange linear way. Yep. His, uh, free birthday meal coupon is in there. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's, yeah, it's like it's not stuff about him necessarily. It's just I mean, it is stuff about him, but it's more specifically stuff that d- directly, you know, is analogous to stuff that you've seen happen to him throughout the course of the movie. Yep. Including his prescription for doxapan. It's in there. Yeah, it's all laid out there, which is is pretty cool because yep. obviously he's like, what the fuck? Yep. And uh, there's pictures of uh, pictures of his wife and son. Um, and then we get another, because of that, it's like a memory montage this time Mm -hmm. and, uh, the full coin tooth clicking, uh, and this time 
instead of where were you, we hear itch in the brain and uh, he finds you on the third night. That's right. Um, and then it's, it's weird because it's like switching bes- between stuff. I thought it was really weird. Um, really good. He, uh, for a second, it looks like he's driving around the hallways of the hospital. Yeah. And that was super amazing. Effective. I liked that. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, he, uh, makes his way that part of that is he's driving to the hospital. We got a, a scene of uh, hospital security cameras. So it kind of has that, uh, feeling of like the grudge a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and then he talks to the world's creepiest nurse about the, about Paul. It's cool. Cause she, she, at first she kind of plays it a little bit straight, mm-hmm. even though, you know, you, you know, you, you're like, I very I was very suspicious of that. Like, yeah, she's got to be in on it. And then the more he talks to her, the more surreal and strange she becomes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just like, (laughs) at first she's like, oh, I really shouldn't tell you this, but they're like being conspiratorial together. But then it's just like full blown bat shit. Uh, She's like, yeah. uh, Go ahead. Yeah. It's almost, yeah. It's almost like a, we, we've been expecting you kind of thing, except she never, she never says that it's, but you can, you can tell that it's, you know, she's, she was covering for, you know, at first it seemed like she was covering and then you realize that she, it was almost like she was just kind of doing it to fuck with him almost. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, we find out that Paul is in ICU, but he's stable and he's like, is it normal for someone who's stable to be in ICU? And she's like, no, it's not. And we find out uh, uh, she lists all the places that he's been transferred from up to this hospital and it like coincides with all of the places we've seen before, whenever he was researching the Pontifex Institute, like all of the places where they've had like HQs and things have gone on with the empty man. Um, She doesn't know who pays for it, but uh, he certainly gets a lot of visitors. There's one of them Mm -hmm. with him now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who could it be? Who could it be? He goes inside, uh, leaves the creepy nurse behind, and inside the visitor, Paul's visitor, is the world's most normal girl. That's right. In the flesh. Yep. The full With her ridiculous hair. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's Bamanda. <laughs> and here she lays it all out, tells him all of the things. Uh, he, Paul is a character carrier because it's like he's a disease but also like a carrier signal mod modulated by an input signal and his message is contagious yeah which is uh pretty crazy yeah yeah it got i I was uh i i thought this was a a good nod to like um event horizon like it's Mm -hmm. very you know like the the chaos of the abyss beyond very good stuff very lovecraftian Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he calls the girl's mom and he's like, it's me, James, who are you? She says, you have the wrong number. Um, and then she like lays out how it's all been their master plan to get a new carrier because this guy's going to die soon. We need a new body for him to be in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out that because uh, it's really hard to find a character, they decide to take it into their own hands and create one. So they somehow did a thing to psychically manifest a tulpa 
to put uh, the empty man into or whatever inhabits the empty man um, because they need an empty man. And she claims that he is that empty man that they, we created you. You were born at a Tex-Mex restaurant and they sang happy birthday to you. Yeah. It's so that basically what they're saying is that he, what he's experiencing are, is uh, are flashes of his previous life. Is that, and, and they, or are they literally saying that they created him in the restaurant? That was a little confused there. They, they're saying that they, that like, she wrote the script of his life that everything he remembers is just things that mm-hmm. they put into his head for him to have memories and that he didn't exist until, uh, the restaurant, which I thought that seems like a strange choice, but, uh, like the first time we see him, we're, we're looking at an empty bridge and then he crests the horizon of the bridge. That to me looks like where he was born. But according to her, it was at the, uh, at the world's greatest Mexican food restaurant. Yeah. See, that's when I didn't understand. So all, okay. So all the stuff about uh, his kid and his wife dying and all that, was that just, that was all just implanted in him? Uh, That's, that's the claim. I don't know if, I I think the movie wants you to ask that question of yourself, you know? Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. But, but the claim that she is making is that all of that is fake. And that's why whenever he calls, uh, Laura, she's like, who, what are you talking about? Who is this? He's like, is this Laura? And she's like, yeah, this is Laura. Who the fuck are you? What are you talking about? She's like, see, it was all fake. It's all fake things that you have in your head. Um, which I would, which, you know, plays in with like all of the people that are standing around, just not worried that he's abducting a guy. Um, that would, I guess, also mean that if it is true that he was just invented three days ago, those police officers that said that they'd heard of him would also have mm-hmm. to be like in on it. I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I, I, as soon as you know this this concept is is presented that he's entirely a creation, then everything that's that's happened to him is part of that creation, essentially. Yeah. E- even though that doesn't really. You're right, though, because it does contrast with the fact that that uh, Allison has no idea who he is when he calls. So, um, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little troubled, but it, I guess it works. It's okay. Yeah, and um, he's all like, "What? No!" And then he like flashes. We get like the full scene of the death of Allison and Henry, which is that the you know the because the kid is tapping the coin on his teeth, the mother like reaches into the back seat to like try to get him to stop and a deer comes out of the woods right before they were going to drive across a bridge and so she overcorrects and ends up goes flying over the side of the bridge to their death below but don't feel bad because that's all a bunch of bullshit yeah yeah this movie about a bridge monster has nothing to do with him coming to terms with the actual death of his wife and son while we see he's fucking laura like off having having <laughs> himself right. a a a a dalliance at the funeral of her husband <laughs> yeah they they stay afterwards at the wake to have uh funeral sex including she has like um fu- funeral lingerie on <laughs> And that see now this is so 
it's these are these this is when this kind of stuff becomes a problem because why in the fuck would they create all that stuff and put it in them? It just seems ridiculous. And yep. like, why does that even need to be there? Like, it, what it makes me think of this this whole conceit, by the way, is uh, the movie Angel Heart. <laughs> oh, I don't know that movie. Oh, you don't know it? I don't. I've never heard of that movie. Mickey O'Rourke, Robert De Niro in New Orleans. Oh no, I have no idea. Is it a gangster movie? Okay. No, it's a horror film. Oh. We're going to do that one. Oh, I so I won't. I won't. I won't explain any further. But it's. Uh, uh, I'll leave the spoilers for the moment we start that episode. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that will be a good one to do. Oh, it has a Lisa Bonet in it. I love a Lisa Bonet. That's awesome. Oh, it's it's got it's got a lot of Lisa Bonet in it. Oh, okay. If you know what I'm saying. Hooray! It's it's really good. Okay. I look forward to it. I've never, I have no idea what to expect. That's cool. Um, Good stuff. Okay. So, um, uh, what, yeah. So there you go. He's yeah. the, he's the Tulpa. Uh, he, his, you know, he's a blank slate. Uh, you know, his entire identity was created. His entire being was created, uh, you know, in the, in the, time of essentially of the uh, essentially in the period of time in the movie i mean yeah as you mentioned like when we see him jogging that actually predates that but that again that could just be part of the implant yep yep and he starts uh flashing back to all sorts of stuff um he flashes back to the scene where he was watching the classroom people and they uh mm-hmm. heard him make a noise and they said is someone here but now he is in the sp- where the other sounds were coming from and he even can look up and sees himself standing up there from the other time woo um <laughs> there's a scene he flashes back to like himself sitting in the chair in the tunnel he flashes to the skeleton the cool knuckly skeleton cave um and then there he sees uh like the spirit or whatever of the empty man come out of the skeleton and starts chasing him around in the, in the sweatiest hallway from earlier. (laughs) I do like, Oh, by the way, I like when Amanda's talking to him and she, she repeats a line that we hear earlier in the film when she says thought plus time plus concentration equals flesh. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that they need his, his fear uh, to make him the empty man. That's right. Yeah. That's why they implanted all of the like sad stuff about his life uh, is so yeah. that he would be like damaged enough to be good for this job. Which, which is fine because then it ties into the, the, you know, the, the other, the alternative narrative, because it's a way to introduce Amanda into his life so that he, he has an excuse for, or they have an excuse for why he would be searching for her in the first place. Yep. Yep. So that works. I'll accept that answer. Yep. Um, it's pretty good stuff. It's like, okay. Yeah. I like the stuff. I like yeah. it when, I like it when movies explore like the cool, creepy, like cults of actual demons. Like that's fun. I'm down for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And I like all this cosmic shit. If it's the problem with, with cosmic shit, isn't the stuff itself. It's that it's, it's generally, you know, ham fisted when it's presented. And, this is actually relatively intelligent. It's, yep. it's, uh, you know, cause it's fun stuff to, it's fun stuff to read about and it's fun stuff to think about, but it can be really, really terrible if it's handled incorrectly in entertainment and, uh, they do a good job with it. Yep. Absolutely. 
And uh, we finally, finally get a really good monster scene at this point. He's being chased by Mm -hmm. the empty man who his presence makes the paint on the walls boil, which was, that was a nice touch. And uh, uh, hey, everybody, we had a technical difficulty, but it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. We're amateurs. Get over it. Yeah. Uh, No. So when we had our little moment, we were talking about the cool monster, which is like a uh, gray intestine looking thing with a bunch of like gross foreskins slipping across each other. Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah, until it becomes a weird tentacle thing with a mouth and a bunch of fingers come out of its mouth and uh, it begins to chunk vomit into James. Amazing. Yeah, really good monster business. Completely, uh, it puts itself inside of him. Yeah, all the way. Yeah, It, it keeps chunk vomiting until there is nothing left of it and it has all like dove into him which i wonder does that mean that that's what is that what happened inside the cave before i don't know i guess we missed that (laughs) yeah but uh it's it's a really really good gross uh monster scene and i love it yeah yeah it was really great um then we have uh the cinematography gets all like uh, artistic and camera Lindsay. And I think it shows us the funeral of, uh, the other lady's husband. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Whatever. Nora's husband's funeral. And, uh, and while that's, yeah, he's there. Uh, he's, he's comforting her kind of like off to the side, which was weird. Yeah. Cause his wife and kid are there. And then, uh, then like after the funeral, he, he enters, he walks into this house and, uh, he, he bangs Laura while his wife and kid drive off a bridge and die. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is where I put the note. If you don't stop tapping that coin on your teeth, I will crash this car right off a bridge (laughs) (laughs) and blame it on a deer. Yeah. Oh dear. It's it's okay. It was all implanted in his brain anyway. Yeah. It didn't really happen, folks. It's so, fine. That, yeah, it's fake sad. Fake sad in a fake movie that you're watching. Yeah. There's yeah. much more horrible things that are actually happening here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh uh so after that, after he gets all all uh empty manned and has has the full entirety of his memories, he goes back to the hospital where uh Paul is on uh, life support or or just in a coma and mm-hmm. uh, shoots the entire fuck out of his head. Yeah. As I, as I described it, he super murders Paul <laughs> just shoots him in the cranium multiple times. It was great. Cause he shoots him once and you're like, okay, that's good. Yeah, and then it. he puts the, and then he just keeps shooting. Yeah. And then they, then they cut to Paul and like the oh. upper, upper right quarter of his skull is just gone there's just blood like jackson pollock all over the wall it is it is murder-tastic yeah it is it is cool and the for because there's an entire hospital staff standing around uh and you would think that they would freak out we get another little creepy scene where they're just all 
okay with that having happened. They're okay with it, and then suddenly they they knee drop. Yep, yep. They all do the simultaneous bow, and uh, we hear more monk noises going on in the background. Uh, they're all like bowing down to him, and uh, is it is it they say you transmit, we receive. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yep. And uh, and then the movie's over. That's it. It's over. That's it. The last note that I have is look up Lust Mord. Yeah, yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that movie. Yeah, it was great. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed talking about it. Um, yeah. I I enjoyed. Uh, I even like did some googling. I was like, all right, well, I need to actually know a little bit of what I'm talking about about Derrida. And then I was like, do I need to know anything more about uh, what's his nuts? No, I don't think I do. What's the other guy? Um, I want to say Faust, but I know that's not right. The uh, oh, I'm not sure which other guy. Uh, uh, the spake Zarathustra. Oh, Nietzsche. Yeah, yeah, Nietzsche. Sorry, yeah. Spaced on Nietzsche. Great, great for podcasts. <laughs> you could probably cliff note because it's it's they're really touching mainly on well only on the whole abyss thing, and then the, the Stephen Root character goes into you know like there's that whole thing when you stare into the abyss the, you know be careful because the, the abyss also stares back into you and you know he he kind of translates that into empty man terms which i thought was pretty cool yeah in soviet russia abyss stare back at you <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> yeah this so that was uh, cool yeah, it was really cool. It was, it was, you know, this guy was like, I want you to see that I have read some philosophy books, which is normally kind of a douchey thing to do, but it's okay because it, it, he, he pulled it off pretty good. Well, uh, yeah. And again, I mean, maybe he lifted it from the comic. I don't, you know, in which case that's was, true. I, I haven't read, I haven't read the graphic novel. I'm not familiar with it, um, but I'm, I'm going to have to probably check it out. It looks, yeah. Yeah. I bet it's real cool art in there too. Yeah. I would imagine so. Um, but yeah, this movie had a, a strong Don't Look Now vibes, Event Horizon, uh, I uh, definitely a little bit of Dogville, uh, a little mm-hmm. bit more explicit. Um, you got some Fight Club going on in there, and also you've got some real douchey Inception business. You know, this is definitely going to be the kind of movie where you probably will have one friend that's like, oh yeah, I understood everything that happened in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that. But great. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really good. I would I would strongly recommend you guys check it out. Um it was uh it was a lot of fun and uh it I think the reviews were fairly accurate. I think it they, that the movie really delivered and what they were trying to get across. I think they did a good job of that. So Yep. Yep, ab- absolutely. Um I I guess we can go to our, our ratings. Um I gave this, I came up, I was super unhappy with the way I've been rating things. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I've just been waiting until the last minute and then blurting out a number. So I actually yeah. built myself a rubric and compared notes with all of the other ones. I'm happy with it. This movie is now, I feel very confident based on my scale. This movie is a 4.5. That's uh, well. And the, one of the things about you mentioning that is it, you've introduced the half Rating, mm-hmm. which is good because I meant to bring that up last time. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, and because I, I well, I realized that five five is is probably not enough because 
you know, if we're going to be super anal about it, uh, you know, some movies, a four just doesn't seem fair and a five just seems too much. In mm-hmm. a 4.5, yep. it's like I can settle on that. I can I can deal with the 4.5 without having to get the calipers out. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, and with that in mind, I would agree. I would give this movie a 4.5. It's not perfect. Uh but at the same time, it's it's brand new, and sometimes these movies need some time to kind of settle into the you know some movies. In order for them to achieve a five for me, they they their role in culture almost has to play a part in it. Not always, but I think this movie I think would benefit well from being a movie that people talk about and having some time to kind of sink in. And maybe in time, it might go down as you know as something I would consider a five. Yep. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, I have to, I mean, yeah, no doubt. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, I have to sit with the movie for a while. I know whenever I left the theater watching hereditary, I was like, well, that movie was garbage. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, it took me a, uh, it took me a little while, like later on thinking about it. I was like, Oh no, actually that movie was pretty great. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I had had a conversation uh, with a friend years ago and I was I was basically lamenting the fact that horror had hit a wall for me, um, mm-hmm. and I was, you know, I realized how much over the years I realized how much I loved horror films. That it was something that I never had really thought about for a long time. I I saw a lot of them, but I I wasn't actively, you know, I just saw a lot of them because I saw a lot of movies and. Yeah. Uh, at some point, I realized that I was really favoring horror films, particularly when streaming services made it easier to pick what you wanted to see yeah. um, without having to go to Blockbuster and decide which version of Johnny Leguizamo you wanted to watch in <laughs> every goddamn movie that was out at the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, wow, I can watch something without Johnny Legs? I'm down. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I, I had I had told this guy, I was like, you know, I think it, I think horror is is ripe right now to have that that next step where it it actually steps into like you, you, you know like the comparably when when you know taking horror and taking it out of being a genre and making it like literature like taking horror horror out of just being strictly a genre and actually appealing to you know an audience as a piece of art on its own you know and becoming Absolutely. more of an adult kind of medium and Movies like Hereditary and Annihilation and uh, uh, Midsummer and The Witch and you know Saint this Maud. one Saint Maud and uh, you know and not that those elements weren't ever there before but these these movies are definitely part of something different. Yep. And I think part of what triggered this this transition in in horror film was the the new French extremity movement. Mm-hmm. which was kind of an early 2000s thing. Um, France is not really known for its horror films, but they went through this period during that time where they made incredibly dark and often philosophical films that, uh, like, for instance, Martyrs, which shares some ideas with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And, you know, some of those movies are masterpieces to me anyway. And they really kind of changed course for for horror because – you know, we went through the '90s, which were comic, comical, and you know, early 2000s, and then all of a sudden, you know, movies like horror movies got really good. You know, like yep. they're actually kind of scary. Yep. Yeah, and, yeah. We're uh, in a we're in a really good little little. I feel 
like a little micro golden age of horror right now. Like th- lots of new things are coming out that are new that are that are approaching the genre with new ideas, and uh, mm-hmm. it's really exciting. It is, and uh, this movie shows that it's not. We're not, you know, the well hasn't dried up yet. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, which, I mean, I, I guess it's going to suck. Cause that means, you know, like 10 years from now, we're going to be back to, you know, just like a Freddy Krueger level, uh, Freddy Krueger sequel movie level of bad stuff. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say because the, the period that we're going through right now worldwide is, is extremely dark yeah. and, you know, maybe that has, uh, that has to have something to do with it. I mean, obviously art, art, obviously you know, is, is, is inseparable from that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it could get it. I don't know how much darker it can get. Cause some of these movies are really dark. Yep. They're pretty bummer, bummer movies, but uh, <laughs> you know, this one's no, no exception. I mean, it's an, it's an examination of emptiness. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, uh, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it plays with all the things. It's very nihilistic, very, uh, uh, like do, does anything even matter? Uh, but it's it's real good. <laughs> it is a bummer. It's though. real good. <laughs> it is, and it's it's informed by a lot of a lot of stuff in hor- from horror past and good stuff. Uh, yeah, and definitely worth watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look forward to uh, this guy's continued directorial stuff. Hopefully, the financial flop of it isn't going to put a dampener on that because I'd like to see him do more things. Yeah, and what I was trying to say earlier about this guy, Mike Metavoy, the guy that started Riot Pictures, <laughs> yeah, is that he he and I talked about the Thin Red Line because he put that movie out, you know, and that was a, a Terrence Malick film, and it was critical. It was a critical success, but it was an absolute box office bomb, and it was an extremely expensive film to make. And he and I were talking about it, and I had told him, I said, you know, but I love that movie. I think it's a great film. I think I think it was really really well made. And he said, well, yeah, obviously I agree because I put it out, but he said, but I, I do agree. And I think in time, you know, uh, Terrence Malick's work will be regarded as, as, you know, one of the, he'll be regarded as one of the great American filmmakers, you know? And I was like, well, I think he already is, you know? And he said, yeah, but I think his whole body of work will be regarded that way. So, you know, he said, sometimes, you, you know, as a, as a movie producer or as a studio owner, he says, you know, I just, when I when I trust that somebody uh, is capable of making great art, I'm willing to throw that money away. Wow! Yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. And then, of course, there's the uh, movie studios themselves who are like, "Yes, we we will now forcefully throw money away by ruining this." Yeah, this guy's crazy because he was a Russian immigrant, Russian Jewish family, and they came to the U.S. and he got his first job at at. Uh, a movie studio basically like mopping the floors. And then he worked his way up to becoming an agent. He was an agent for uh, Steven Spielberg and an agent for oh. Coppola, I believe. Whoa. And then he ended up taking the helm at uh, uh, United Artists. And then from there, he started Orion Pictures and then he got muscled out in some sort of power grab from the board. And then he started uh, another, he started another uh, production company at that point, but yeah, interesting guy. But anyways, wow. that was, that was the tie in that I thank God remembered. So I was just blathering. Yeah. I'd have met some famous guy. Yeah. Yeah. Book starts, you know, am I right? Check it out. So cool. <laughs> God. So, well, that brings us to the, the final business, which is 
the next episode. Yes. So just to sum up, so that's a nine out of 10 cumulative. That's pretty good. That is very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's the highest rating so far. Of course, we've also the first one we used halvesies. Yes. Uh, no, we had I, a five and a four. We had a five and a four on uh, basketball. Uh, I think uh, on uh, on don't look now. We had a total of nine because I put a five like an asshole, and that's what made me decide to come up with a grading rubric. Which now using that, it's I put it as a four instead of a five. Fair enough. We'll record yeah. them, and then it will, it will go on our uh, the autobiography of loathsome things. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what Jesus the hell I'm talking about. Oh my God. My fucking podcat is trying to attack the entire situation around me. Jesus. Podcat. <laughs> so, okay. So next up. Oh, next, next business, final business next week or no next episode. Get the fuck down. Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> um, That's right. Sorry. We're going to be watching. Get the fuck down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Starring Podcat. Yes. Uh, so what are we going to be watching for our next episode, John? Well, I, I I wavered a little bit with my choice when I when we started talking about Angel Heart, but I think I'm going to save that okay. um, for later because the the one that I that I decided to go with is is a tie-in to stuff that we've talked about in the past anyway. I, I decided to go with 1951s. The Ooh. Thing from Another World. Ooh. The oh original God. Thing film based on the short story. Where it's just like a big dude in a rubber suit, right? A big dude. James Arness from Gunsmoke. Big dude oh, in a rubber yes. suit. <laughs> and it, it's a great movie. My dad, uh, I watched it as a kid with my dad, and he had set it up by saying, I watched this when I was a kid and scared the living hell out of me. <laughs> and so- with that in mind, I watched it and it scared the living hell out of me. Now, of course, you watch it. It's just silly as fuck, but it's yeah. great. That's awesome. That'll be great. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And that, by the way, it's, a, it's based on a short story and the short story is fantastic. So you guys should read that as well. Let's see. Uh, let's see. What is that? That is. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't pull it up fast enough. It's fine. Yeah, I believe it has a different. I, I think it has a different title. It from. You know, it's it, it is the thing from another world is based on the 1938 novella Who Goes There by John That's W. Right. Campbell. Wow. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's a great Campbell. story, too. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Famous racist John W. Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, yeah. Howard Hawks made this one and uh, it's uh, it's you know, I mean, obviously it's going to it's going to be incredibly dated, but it's really fun to compare it to the to the um, John Carpenter I guess you could say remake, but it's really a redo. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be fun. Also, this movie is only 87 minutes, so that'll be nice. Hey, maybe our podcast could come in <laughs> at a similar runtime. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Instead of this, I think we're approaching the three-hour mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Um, so with that in mind to try to avoid that, let's, let's go ahead and wrap things up. If you would like to reach out to us to tell us what assholes we are or to correct us on anything, please feel free to add us on Twitter at loathsome pod or the loathsome things podcast page on Facebook. T you can also email us at uh, loathsome things podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. 
yeah don't don't uh don't feel shy get in touch yeah give us some uh some suggestions we're we're always open to uh whatever it is you want us to watch and talk about for way too long yeah tell us tell us what you like about horror films or don't oh yeah that's good too we'll have a whole talk it'll be nice we can sit down and jam oh dude Sorry. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening and tune in in two weeks when we review the thing from outer space. That's right. All right. The man, the, the thing from the man of the thing. Yeah. Space. Yeah. Yeah. See you next time. Bye. (laughs)